the nerds take over. Us? Huh? What's up, nerds? Welcome to a special episode of the Nerdables Podcast. This week, Rich, Ethan, Travis, myself, and eventually Sebastian are talking Rogue One, a Star Wars story. This is our review show for the film. I think everyone's seen it. Mm-hmm. Have we? Yeah, well, that's why Mikey's not here, because Mikey is seeing it yeah. in about an hour or so. Yes. Um, yeah, so we all went to see it. I'm going to go over some numbers really quick. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, $29 million on Thursday, the biggest preview number of the year, including that preview night. Uh, it made just over $71 million on Friday, falling behind the $75 million of Civil War and the $81 million of Batman versus Superman. That made Thursday Friday. That's insane. I didn't realize that was that high. I thought yeah, because the numbers were showing thirty million for Friday for Thursday. Well, it's got twenty. It's twenty nine here. The last number uh, I saw was a little over twenty nine, so I just yeah. rounded down. Well, yeah, those Batman versus Superman numbers were very high the first weekend because everybody was anticipating such a great and movie. That yeah, was all. Their so I was just. I was surprised even with the stuff before it. Only eighty. Or that it's still the number one Thursday Friday. No. Uh, Rogue One is the twelfth biggest Friday of all time. Just for comparison's sake, Force Awakens made fifty-seven million Thursday and one hundred nineteen million for the Thursday Friday last year. Uh, looking at, we're recording on Sunday, December eighteenth, so we don't have the actual final number yet. But the estimated is going to be anywhere between one hundred and fifty-five to one hundred fifty-seven million dollars for opening weekend. That's third again behind Civil War and Batman Superman for the year. Uh, two hundred ninety million worldwide, and it's open almost everywhere. There's one or two major markets, and right. Korea hasn't opened yet, and something else. It has earned a straight A grade across all lines and demographics from Cinema Score. Its critical score is very high as well. Um, so, critically, seems to be doing well. Fan wise, no one seems to be complaining yet. Although we had the same thing with TFA, where a lot of people in that first forty-eight hours, were like, "Oh my god!" And then a there's week a, later, there's been a couple. There's been a couple, but, it, but... it wasn't. It, it's sort of the same thing with TFA, where mm-hmm. like a week later, people started you know trolling out with what it was. But yeah. for the most part. Um, interesting tidbit I saw. If it's number one for the next three weeks, which it has a very good possibility of doing, unless Sing surprises everybody, the mm-hmm. animated singing film, Disney has the number one film for 21 of 53 weekends this year. If it's number one for the next three weeks. If it's not, then it'll have 20. Yeah, I can, I can see that. that. Was a, I, I, we kind of figured that. I think you you mentioned that, where there's something like eight yeah. of the top ten films are Disney really Yeah, and, well, and they also did like $4 billion this year just in film. Yeah, it's, right. it's insane. Not, that was before Rogue One. Yeah. No, it's it's going to be huge. It'll probably mm-hmm. be one of the two or three biggest. Because it's hard to... The, the number for Civil War is so high. Yeah. And Batman Superman made it a little high. It was high, too, even for something that wasn't really praised. But Well, see, that, but Batman versus Superman is one of those movies where... It the, so the nostalgia of seeing Batman and Ver- Batman and Superman on the screen together, and especially Wonder yeah. Woman with them, is going to drive people to go see it. The tr- problem is... You don't have the the um, the second and third showing numbers that you would have for something like Rogue One. Yes, or Star the, the, Wars. that was why I wanted to point out the cinema score and kind of the fan score in grading is the legs for this film could even be better than TFA, considering right. how positively it was reviewed to start with. Uh, so a little setup for today. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around the room and we're going to give uh, what I always call the aesthetic review. These are our spoiler-free reviews. We're just going to talk about kind of our experience seeing the film, what we felt going into it, how we feel while we were watching it, what we felt when we walked out, how was the crowd, where'd you go, how many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice. Rich has seen it, I think, 104. <laughs> um, 
So just that sort of thing. So this is going to be spoiler free. After that, we will get into the nitty gritty of the film and start spoiling it for people. So and we'll warn you when we change gears. Yeah. So our spoiler free aesthetic review. I'm going to start. I'm actually going to start with Travis. I was going to say start with Travis. Yet. So I hit it on Friday morning, right after the Thursday midnight opening, uh, trying to pull the new parents see it when you can car. And uh, so we uh, we went 11 a.m. on Friday. Uh, the theater was packed, like to the rim. And uh, that was kind of surprising for a Friday morning at 11 a.m. when everybody should, you would think, be at work. Uh, but overall, uh, I was really impressed. I was talking to everybody as we walked into the theater. This is the first time I've gone to a Star Wars movie where the only knowledge I had was from previous films and what I've read in extended universe books. But outside of that, I didn't know anything going into it. I didn't know the names of the characters. I didn't know how they were going to address this storyline. I just knew the lore of the story, and I didn't know how they were going to parse that out into a film. So it was actually really exciting for me to like, not know what's going to come, even though I know the ending. And uh, overall, I was very impressed with it. I'm, I'm extremely happy with how it turned out. <laughs> Can't ask for anything more than that. <laughs> Ethan, your experience. Um, well, my experience, I would say I was still very excited to see the movie um, from watching the first couple trailers. So going into it, I kind of felt the fact of like, oh, well, it's another Star Wars movie. The story is very interesting to me. I'm ready to go and see it. And I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I think it turned out to be a really great movie. Um, still a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of the action that I was looking for. Um, yeah. Was there anything in there that you liked that was non something that you hadn't seen in Star Wars or anything that you that really stood out to you? Mm, not that I can think of. But. I don't think we get into specifics too. So your experience is rich. So my experience for the Rogue One it was really cool because you know as somebody that reads the comic books. And the the novels, plays video games. I'm used to standalone stories within the universe. And it's somebody also watches the cartoons and things like that. So I get a visual standalone story, but to have one on the big screen was very unique, something that was outside of the normal saga stuff. And not to mention, that takes us right back, right to the very beginning of the original New Hope was spectacular. I mean, I, I, there's so many things I could say just because, of, you know, I, I'd go into in the spoiler section. Yeah, no, well, there's, there's a lot more to do. It's just more like... But it, it felt to me like a... Like, like it crossed all over the Star Wars... Um, the, the different types... Of, you know how we, we have the prequels have their own tone, the Rebels and Clone Wars cartoons have their own tones... To me, one of the things I, that I noticed right away was that this movie crossed those different tones. So it felt there were moments where it felt like it was, you know, part of the prequels, part of Clone Wars, part of even Battlefront, the video game. There were times that it, it felt like that to me. So I thought they did a really nice job of 
include the inclusion of the rest of the Star Wars universe. So yeah, I had a great experience. My wife, Arabella and Beth went. They went back to see it again a second time. They you could, went. You went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, didn't you? Yes. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I it's, would have gone it's today, all in but, or nothing. But I would have gone today, but Arabella had a performance, so. That. See, this is what you got to look forward to, Travis. Your daughter ruining your chance to see Star Wars a fourth time in four days. <laughs> or, you know, once and then deal with your family and then... No, 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 no. This is what you have to look forward to. But you also have the fun of looking forward to seeing your daughter look at the screen and see Star Wars and see the excitement in her face and the emotion of when certain things happen. Oh, I can't wait for the first time of I'm Your Father. Yeah. Cannot wait for that. You haven't you haven't told her yet that you're her dad. <laughs> uh, is that something you're going to spring on her much uh, later? Generally, it's met with either shitting or crying. Oh, okay. He, he's waiting to take her to this really high scaffold. Yeah, and he's going to put her on one side. Don't and cut he's her. Stand don't cut her hand off, bro. <laughs> Just don't do it. She's no, never, no, never going to love you. Not until we at least have a good robotic. <laughs> he may wait till she's 16 and then have no choice. Uh, so for me, I, I think uh, we've talked so much about my. Expectation. Expectation, my excitement, the type of film I wanted. We'll get into that much later when we talk about tone. But I wasn't alone. I knew a few people that, like me, in a different way, but almost a more intense way, was more excited for this film than TFA. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people were going to TFA going, God, I hope it doesn't suck. I really hope it doesn't. So it was a different sort of generality to it. The um, uh, When we walked into the theater, Darth Vader was there, so that was cool. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend is a huge Darth Vader fan, so we got pictures taken with Vader. They had a Shadow Trooper. Yeah. Um, we saw a couple of pictures from around the country. You know, there was a lot of Stormtroopers and stuff oh, in yeah. these different places. Uh, it was... I, yeah, because I had that little bit of trepidation. I never thought it was going to be a bad film by any means, but I wanted it to be a certain type. Um, so the first time going through it, just like TFA, the first like, 20 minutes, I'm going, okay, I like this. Yeah, I do like this. I do, I, right? I do like... Okay. Yeah, I do like this. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And then I'm all in. So the last <laughs> half of that film was great. I went to see it again yesterday morning. Uh, Travis, you talked about Friday at 11 a.m. packed. I went on Saturday at 10 a.m. to the theater down at the bottom of the hill, and that theater was sold out. 10.30, oh, wow. there was only a few seats left. Luckily, one of them was towards the back. So 10 and 10.30, for the non-3D super D-box experience of death... Uh, just a normal, straightforward film sold out on Saturday morning. So that was that was kind of exciting to see. Going through it the second time, uh, kind of knowing what was going to happen was very different experience because it was almost more emotional. Yes. Because you're like, okay, now that you've gotten rid of that that adrenaline going in the first time, waiting for to to see whether you really enjoy it or not, the second yeah. time, the repeated viewing of it was fantastic, which... I had the same experience with TFA, even though I didn't see it through the second time for like a week, week and a half. So. Well, we talked about that a little bit last night when we were saying that, you know, the first time you go into the movie, everything's coming at you new. And so you're trying to take it all in as fast as possible and, and stay up with it. And you, so you're, you're just like on total absorption and trying to figure out, like Chris said, if you are enjoying this film. Because, you know, I mean, I walked out of a, a new uh, Phantom Menace and I went, what the hell did I just see? I've got to see this again just to make sure I saw what I saw. With this, it was a totally different experience. It was like, you know, The Force Awakens. I enjoyed it so much that I wanted to go back and see it so that way I could really sit there and have that moment where, all right, I already know what's going to be on, you know, what's coming. I know all the, fi- the, vig- the figures, the vehicles, 
you know, the, the yeah, tone. The moment. To just kind of just take everything in. Yeah, and then so you get to sit there and you really get to absor- you know, absorb the story, and then you get to see a lot of the Easter eggs. It's interesting. We were talking about this at work the day before Thursday day as we were in uh, waiting to go and stuff like that. It's funny how with a big brand film like this that you feel so connected to, when you see like a good trailer or something, you see something like I saw Christopher Nolan's trailer for Dunkirk, and I'm like, uh-huh. that looks good. I yeah. can't wait to see that. Star Wars, we see good trailers and go, God, I hope it doesn't suck. Like, it's such a different yeah. sort of, of well, it's reaction it's to it. Well, it's just an interesting mentality. To me. Well, it's not even a nerd mentality. It's just an interesting thing when you have a franchise-type film like this where it's something that you've enjoyed. You hope that every new installment is going to give you some sort of enjoyment. So your reaction to something that looks really good is also, boy, I hope it doesn't suck. But if you wouldn't have had yep. the experience with the prequels. I think it still would have been the same thing. I think it still would have been the same thing. It's because just, I never really got... When, well, Batman and Robin, I, I walked out of going, God, that movie sucked. But this happened with Harry Potter, too. Almost every new Harry Potter, people that I knew, when they were getting to, like, I know the first four were really good. Boy, I hope five doesn't suck. I, the first five were really good. I'm pretty sure six is going to be good, but I'm, I'm, I'm still a little worried. You know, it's just... When you have that sort of franchise that you've been enjoying to a certain degree, it's just an interesting... Yeah. It, was, it was an interesting observation. Well, yeah, they set up, like, a precedent... With like, okay, yeah. now your expectations mm-hmm. have been built to a certain point where if it sucks, it ruins everything that came before it. So maybe. Mm-hmm. For some or people. It, it has people. the potential to ruin it or <laughs> Well, it depends, on, yeah, it depends on what your reaction to it is. Right. Um, so for here on in, so that's the aesthetic sort of review, and we'll get Sebastian's when he gets here. But from here on in, it is spoiler city. We're going to discuss specifics of the film. We're going to discuss what's in the film. We're going to discuss what's not in the film. We're going to discuss how we reacted to very specific things. So if you have not seen the film, Pause. stop listening and come back to it after you've seen it. If you have seen the film, this is where you get to yell at the, the, your iPod or whatever you're listening to as we say something that you don't agree with. Do people um, still have iPods? I still have an iPod. Do you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not. I'm never. I'm never getting rid of my full size iPod. It's the greatest thing ever. It's so much stuff. I just was wondering because I, you know, most people now it's just everything's on their smartphone or tablet. Yeah. Well, you can still consider your your iPhone pod or whatever. (laughs) Uh, So yes, everything going forward is going to be spoiler, 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 spoiler. Like I said, we're going to talk about what's in the film. We're going to talk about what isn't in the film. So. First thing I want to talk about is tone. This is something that we've had a discussion on this show a number of times in terms of what we were hoping the tone would be, what we were expecting the tone to be, what we were afraid the tone would be. So I think all of us were still sort of looking for the same type of film if it was to varying degrees. We all kind of wanted what we were promised to a certain degree of a war film set in the Star Wars universe mm-hmm. that was more grounded. Yeah, Star Wars um, film that is also a Gareth war Edwards film. said the week before at the premiere that he made he attempted to make and felt he made the most realistic Star Wars movie that had ever been done. Possibility, yes or no, but um, we have, of course have all the controversy with reshoots and tone changes and all this stuff. We'll never know the truth, I don't think. It's the most fascinating thing to me. I want a no holes barred making of Rogue One because the backstory to this film seems almost as fascinating as the film itself. In terms of the sure. tone specifically, did you feel the film went just far enough, that it didn't go far enough, or that it even went too far? I'm going to go in the same order, so Travis, you first. The tone of the film, uh, was it what you wanted, or did you feel it wasn't enough, or did it go too far? So when they announced Rogue One, and knowing the history and having read books and knowing the lore of what happens with the Death Star plans, what I should see is a 
knockout, drag out, World War II, World War I horror terror film like a Saving Private Ryan, blood and guts everywhere, where everyone is wiped and dead at the end of the movie. And what we got, I feel, was the furthest that Disney would allow Gareth Edwards to go without going full Saving Private Ryan on it. I thought it was extremely emotional. I thought it was a very, very good depiction of a war espionage Star Wars film, but I still think it was safe. And I think that if they had completely taken the gloves off, they could have gone full Saving Private Ryan with it. But being a family-oriented franchise, even though it gets a little bit edgy and adult, I think they went as far as they could go with it, or at least as far as Disney would allow them to go. Did you um, want more? So that's an interesting question to say, do I want more? Like, do I want a full-blown guts everywhere, death and blood and destruction? I kind of got that without the blood and guts part. So I don't know if I want more because I don't know what more would have been. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, like you were saying, it would be incredible to see a no-holds-barred complete making of or a no-holds-barred director's cut. Yeah. where it's like, here's the original intention. Because what I got <laughs> watching this film, I felt very much the same way, even though it was slightly safer in how harsh it was and how blunt it was, I still felt it was very much like Saving Private Ryan in that you have a band of warriors and you're watching them develop and you're watching them build together and you're watching them become a team out of individuals and you start feeling for them and you start caring for them and then they're just picked off one after the other. And I felt that each death and each ending for each character was very emotional and I was extremely tied to them and extremely saddened when each of them went. And hold Even on to that because when we I'm get to the point of what's missing, that when we get to the point of what's missing in terms of what, you know, the, the, we'll talk about stuff that looked like it was going to be in the film. It wasn't. That'll be an interesting thing in terms of how each character met its demise and how they may not have. But here's one of the things though: when when we well, say, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I know when we say we with the reshoots and everything, we don't know if the reshoots. The rumor was the reshoots were there to tone down the movie, the violence and the war aspect of the movie. But we don't know that. We, but when you look at and we'll, what you said was what's going missing and what's there. Yeah, well, that's a, all, that entire discussion is later. That, there's that, a lot of stuff. I think that a, is more of it's what be something changed. Like, when you, when, remember <laughs> Travis's comments when we get to that part yeah. because there's a lot of that kind of talk. I want to go to Ethan. So, so to put a neat little bow on mine, I was very happy with what I got. I think it could have gone farther, but... You're okay that it didn't. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, for me, it's like, what would have been further? Like people's intestines pouring out in the middle of the beachhead. Yeah, and again, like I said, that like I had said when we were talking about this before, we're never going to see that. It was terms of me of like tone of how bleak or how dark it would be. But let me get to Ethan. Let me ask you. We'd so, see that in a fan film, but in, I, I wouldn't mm, see it on the. No, you're never going to see that, and that's okay. Uh, you don't want to get to Ethan's. You're you're feeling the tone. You weren't as connected to it. I don't think. I mean, in terms of like someone like me or Rich or Travis who has been in the universe for so long, we yeah. wanted something a little bit different. You're approaching it as almost a new, fresh film. 
did you like the tone of the film? Did you want more? Did you want less? No, I think it was uh, actually fine with what I saw. I mean, the tone, it still gave you to a point and got you to a point that you had an emotional um, breaking point with each character. The You felt that you wanted to succeed with the characters. You were hoping in some way or another that they would... Uh, you know, survive and, you know, go on to live their lives. But um, also knowing kind of the story of episode four, you know, like majority of these people weren't going to survive anyway. Um, but I think Disney did a good job. Great tone. I mean, like Travis said, it, it, it doesn't need the guts and gore that like Saving Private Ryan had to make me feel more emotionally invested into it. So, right. yeah, I think it was fine. So, Rich, your feel in terms of the tone of the film? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I agree that I felt the tone was was right on the money. Um, could it go more? Yes. Can any movie go more? Yes. Do we don't need the the, the blood, the guts of of Saving Private Ryan? Saving Private Ryan was there to show how intense that film or how intense that era was. We didn't need to see that in this film because. Yes, it is still a Disney Lucasfilm family fil- film, but I think you, you, we don't need to see the blood and the guts to have a war movie. I got that. I got the emotion. I got the intensity of of what a war would have been like on Scarif with with the weaponry that they had. You know, you see the army going through the the rebel army going through the 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 uh, the beachhead. And you know, being mowed down or you know shot, you see you see the connection that each that maybe only one of the characters had to another character. You felt that that when one of those characters died, and as an audience, every one of the when a main character would die, you got their own individual death and the impact of it. So I thought that I mean it was right there on the money. It was literally the opening crawl of a new hope come to life. And I, it was exactly what I thought it would be and what it needed to be. So for me, and Sebastian's joined us. I'm going to go through my reaction. Then we're going to sure. rewind back a little, and we'll have Sebastian give us a, a, a just a. Well, we're only on the first question, so it's easy enough. Uh, so for me, again, I never said I wanted blood and gore. What I wanted was a tone that was a little bit darker, a little bit deeper, a little more serious, and it's definitely there. Uh, and I enjoyed it, and I thought it went it went farther than I was afraid it was going to go. Like, I thought it might have been lighter. Mm-hmm. And so they did a good job in terms of keeping a tone that is very serious, keeping a tone in which the stakes matter. I didn't need blood and gore, and I didn't get it, and I don't want it. Right. But they needed to feel like they're in a war, and they do. It yes. feels like Hoth. Scarif is Hoth to an nth degree, because oh, you Scarif know you know they are not getting out. Right. Very quickly. But Hoth, here's, it's even more personal than Hoth. Yeah, but, well, you, you see a bunch of different troopers now. But here's the thing. What I really liked in terms of the tone is the fact that the rebellion is not shown as some sweet-smelling rose. Yes. That they do some very dark things in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily cross this ultimate line, but the character of Cassian Andor has no qualms with doing what he needs to do in order to complete his mission. Right. And they don't shy away from it. His commander is sanctioning an assassination for somebody that he doesn't know all the details Mm -hmm. for. 
he's sanctioning an assassination who's connected to a character that's on the same damn ship right. as, as, as Cassian is. So I was really happy to see that sort of thing because as someone who has enjoyed that EU sensibility of showing the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty and the day-to-day type of thing, that's the type of stuff I wanted and I got a exactly. lot of um, There is, and again, there's going to be a lot of discussion when we get to the stuff that wasn't shown in the film as there's a possibility that there was a much bleaker tone in that first cut. Not necessarily that it was darker, not necessarily that it was any more gory, but that it was just bleaker, that some of these characters met ends that were not fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then they may have pulled that back and changed it, and I agree with that. We'll go into more detail then, but it was definitely more than what I feared they were going to do and what I hoped they did, so I was very happy with the tone of the film and the type of film that you got and the characters that they gave you as not being as not being perfect, not being just, you know, this person is the light, this person is the dark. There's a lot of differences that go through. Even they in had some more of the tones Imperials, than, yeah. like, Luke and Leia. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I thought needed to be in that type of film. So that's my tone review. We're going to go to Sebastian. So what we're doing... Hi, Sebastian. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Welcome to the wonderful review of Rogue One for the Nerdables. So what we've done is we just talked about a very quick kind of aesthetic review. Sure. Like, how'd you feel going in? What was your theater like? How'd you go out? That first question in terms of tone. So you tell me when you went to see it. Tell me how you were going in. Were you excited? Did you like the film? Did you get it out of it? And then tell me tell me the tone sort of thing. And then we'll sure. go on to the next question. Uh, I went to go see it Saturday night. Uh, our mutual friend Robert's like, hey, you got, we got an extra ticket. And I was like, uh, I was wondering, because you told me you were going to see it like Monday morning. Yeah, and no. As he called me up and he said, hey, I got an extra. What are you doing tonight? It's like, oh, you know, not much. And he's like, well, I got a ticket to the Rogue One. Do you want it? You have an, I have an extra ticket. He went with a large group to Rogue One. So I said, uh, when is it? And he said, uh, like 8 o'clock-ish. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go. <laughs> and uh, so I went. It was at the the uh, it was at an arc light, so they tend to have a better movie going experience than <laughs> than some of the other rabble rousing theaters I've been to. Uh, but uh, I would say going into the movie, I was more intrigued. Uh, I think you, Chris, more than anybody else knows that uh, I think my two favorite EU characters are Kyle Katarn and Jan Ors. And when they first showed that this was the story and these were the characters, basically they took the EU story of Kyle Katarn and Jan Ors and their theft of the Death Star plans. Right. And translated into a film. It's not them. And uh, for the most part, I was very happy to get characters that were as close as possible to those characters without being them, essentially. So I was happy to see them on screen. It's like, hey, at least I'm getting a version of these guys. So... Uh, going into the movie, I was, I was think, I think me and you felt the same way. Cautious optimism, because the tone of the movie is something that <coughs> is hard to go back to from the original movies, especially when you look at, uh, you know, something like while Episode Four is a very hopeful movie, very adventurous. Empire Strikes Back is very dark. You have the Battle on Hoth, which is a very heavy war aspect version of the film, but then they move away from it very quickly. And in this movie, was happy. I was happy to have that tone. Because it's not a happy story. Mm-mm. And the Rebel Alliance, especially in the expanded universe, the previous expanded universe, uh, was very rich with the idea that, like, look, it's more gray than mm-hmm. than what it seems on the surface, and I'm happy to have that tone put into the movie. It felt like an actual expanded universe story come to life versus something uh, when I watched Force Awakens, and I don't know if you've covered comparisons... But Force, really, Force Awakens is a very saccharine movie. It's very much like, hey, I'm going, I'm, let's put on some rose-colored glasses, everybody, 
and remake A New Hope. And this movie doesn't try to do what the other films did. Right. And is showing you, in a way, the dark side of of rebellions, espionage in general, but in a palatable way for as wide an audience they as possible. They still have to be the good guys. Yes, they still have to be the good guys. But, I mean, even then, I mean, you look at a character like James Bond, and he's a, yeah. a character from the books who's who's a horrible human being for Especially the most early, part. Yeah. But in the movies, he needs to be a palatable character. But you like them for you like the book James Bond because he's a guy who's who can get the job done and doesn't have qualms about doing horrible things. Ian Fleming was part of the secret intelligence service yeah. for the for the British military. But he's a character that was designed in the books to be like, hey, you want to you you are getting out of the war. Let's let's take you to exotic locations. Let's take you. To well, let's describe amazing food to you, and let's get an adventure. And in this movie, it has very much the tone of like, no, you're not going to get the happy experience you got from episode eight. You're going to get something dark. And I made my movie prediction on Facebook that by the end of the movie, because these characters are so pivotal to a single story, that they would all be dead. Because then you'd get questions of why aren't they showing up later? See, I, I, I never. I, the fun thing with it was not knowing where those characters are going to end because they could have gone anywhere. Sure, Any of those sure. characters could have continued. Uh, you could have had forward. a secret. They could have been. A oh, okay, absolutely. Cassian could have been a part of the rebellion. You sure. Never saw again. Sure. Right? So, so, is there any, did anybody besides me read the Battlefront novel? Yes. Okay. I so you read it. it. Yes. So it was oh, very no. much like in the no, no, not no, the Battlefront. I meant excuse me. Novel. No. If you enjoy the tone of, tone of this film, yes. you'd love the novel. Okay. Because the novel again is it's it's a rebel group of soldiers, and the main guy cares nothing for the rebellion as much as he cares for the fact that he gets to he right. gets to survive and he gets to fight. Right. He's just given. He's given the cause. Right. Going to like Jin, where Jin comes in and says, "I don't care about the cause. I just care about getting out of prison, and then I just care about finding out whether my father's alive or not." Right. And then finally cares. And then and then, the and then and then she gets the it's, she she gets the boot to the butt. Kind of like some oh. of Saul's mercenaries there. Well, and well, even yeah. Ka- Cassian Andor the, sort of has the same kind of thing where he's like. You don't know what I've lost, and this is an outlet for my yeah. rage. It is. It is kind of interesting. The second time I saw it in reading the book, and not to get too much away from the book, but the main character in the book is very much like Cassian in the sense of what he's done. He doesn't realize that he's done it for a cause, and realizes at the end, I have to keep, I have to fight for the cause, or else everything I did is worthless. Sure, yeah, and sure. I don't do anything. So let's move on to the next question. Yeah. Um, with the reshoots, of course, one of the big stories that came out is Alex Desplat was not able to do the score for the film, and Michael Giacchino stepped in with only weeks to do the film, uh, to score the film. A lot of Star Trek soundtrack. So what movie. I want to ask is, in terms of the music, did you like the music? Is there spe- specific pieces that stand out? Did you not like the music or what have you? I'm going to go with Travis first, because Travis and I actually, the first time we saw TFA... We disagreed. You liked the music a lot. My first showing of TFA, I didn't. And when I went back and listened to the soundtrack by itself, I enjoyed it. So for you, Michael Giacano's soundtrack, did you enjoy it? Yes or no? Let's start with, I love Michael Michael Giacano's soundtracks. And I think The Incredibles is one of the greatest soundtracks ever made. So that being said, as I was listening to the music play behind this film... Uh, I was kind of amazed at how I felt like they were trying to make Star Wars music, but it's got to be totally different, guys. It's a, it's a standalone film, so right. it's Star Wars music, but it's not Star Wars music because it's different. You know, it's different. And I actually found myself more often than not taken out of 
the different scenes and transitions because I did not like the music in this one. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm actually going to skip Ethan because Ethan doesn't have as much experience with the soundtracks as the rest of us do. So I want to ask Sebastian, Rich, and then myself, and then I'm going to ask Ethan last because I think we have different, we might have a different feeling than you do. So Sebastian Giacano's work. I like his film. work in general. Uh, I liked the soundtrack to the movie, but much like The Force Awakens for me, it wasn't entirely memorable. But I will say on the differences, you know, every time like the Rebel score, it's going to get very Star Wars-y, he took that turn to not do that. And I think that was appropriate for this movie because while it has Star Wars story Mm -hmm. attached to the title, it's not Star Wars. And I think the idea to reserve the true John Williams-esque score for the main saga is, is, I think, the difficult choice somebody made. And I appreciate that they did it because these characters, they're not Luke, they're not Leia. They're not uh, Finn or Ray or Han Solo. They these aren't those characters, and to give them that music, I think would be, I mean, while it'd be on the surface level, like ah, it's the mu- oh yes, you know the you know yeah. the trench run music, or if you're gonna do something like from Empire Strikes Back or the Hoth music for the Battle of Scarif, I think it would do. I, I think it would give those characters something that's recognizable, but that would also be too easy instead of actually doing something completely different for the characters themselves. Rich, you're feeling the music. Did anyone stay till the very end, like the end of credits, all the way yes, through? Yes, I did the first yeah. time. Okay, so you got to hear that the Star Wars theme was mm-hmm. there. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, even the Darth Vader theme, you, you were talking about how you don't have, this isn't a Star Wars movie. I, to me, it did feel, it, it is a Star Wars well, movie. Well, it, it's a Star Wars it's, movie. You're talking about but, Saga but, versus but, no, no, but, Right, but the music, I agree with you, John Williams should be reserved for the saga. The saga. The main. Yes, and you can do your individual things set on, what, depending on what movie you're doing. Uh, obviously, Hansel will probably be a little bit more fun music. Sure, sure. The story of the Skywalkers uh, should be reserved for John Williams' right. score. That being said, we did have the Imperial March, or a form of the Imperial yes. March, at least Darth Vader's part of the Imperial March, right. in this, which, when well, I heard it, sense, yeah. yeah, it makes sense, but when I heard it, I could tell, I could hear the differences. Right, because the main bad guy is, is uh, oh my gosh, his name escapes me, not... Krennic. Yeah, Krennic. Krennic. Director Krennic. And, uh, Director Orson Which Krennic. he really isn't the main bad guy. He's the main antagonist, but he's not the main. Tarkin is the, the main bad well, guy. There's a there's a mix. Yeah, because it's, it is it's the Empire more. Than, well, no, to me, it's the Empire more than any other film. Yeah, it's sure, the fact sure. that the Empire working in concert, and we'll talk about a, yes. that a little bit later. So but just specifically it, with the music, I there were parts of the music that I really liked, and there were parts that I I it didn't necessarily take me out of the film, but it just I, I didn't enjoy it as much as some of the other time. Uh, For me, first off. Uh, Giacano also did Doctor Strange, and my complaint with Doctor Strange is he just swiped so much of his Star Trek yes. one. It was he did not. I I felt he did not do that here. I thought the music in the first half of the film was very odd and very out of place, except for the music that he used while you were in Saw's uh, Saw Guerrero's compa- uh, team his, his or his encampment or whatever. Yes. I loved that. Yeah, the music like when the title hits that. Yes. Flair that the title hit, especially after the scene you just saw, which is his wife getting mur- uh, uh, Galen Urso's wife getting murdered, Jin Urso escaping, Galen being taken by the Empire. Saw takes her, which I didn't mind the music for that. No, that's what I said. It was okay, and my, then my and child, then all of a sudden, my child, my child, come with me. and then like it was very odd. There was a couple of it scenes like. 
I really like the music at the end. Yes. It, sure, I thought the sure. last half was really well done. And do you know what I almost felt and like? And I'm interested to hear the music by itself again once I get the soundtrack. I, to me, and saying this, and after seeing it a couple times, I think that as there was a purpose in the progression of the music mm-hmm. to start to sound, as you get to the end of the yeah. movie, to start to sound more Star Wars, more like Star Wars. Oh, they just fit through what it was at. Because wanted... that's why the last song also is, yeah. the, is the main Star Wars well, yeah, because you, you're not going to go through the whole thing without it. You did Clone Wars with it, even though John But, it, but I'm, what Clone I'm saying Wars. is it gets you to yeah. a new hope. Um, yes. yeah. Ethan, because you don't have as much of a connection with the original Star Wars music that some of the rest of us do. Like that, mm-hmm. that's, Those are iconic themes for me all yeah. the time. You won't have that same connection. How did you feel in sort of something that was brand new that maybe would not have brought... You weren't looking for that sort of nostalgia. When we saw TFA, there's so much that Williams used mm-hmm. from beforehand. Mm-hmm. You had those ones like, oh, that's the, yeah. that's the Jedi theme. That's the, you know, that sort of thing. Except for Vader's theme that isn't here, how did you feel the music for Giacomo's? Well, and it was funny because the thing I was thinking about when I was watching the movie is that the music has a lot of the same style of the saga films. Um, you know, like I knew, uh, there was a uh, one that stands out to me is there were I think um, flying into Jeddah City I think mm-hmm. where it was kind of like the beginning part of that song was the soundtrack from Attack of the Clones the the theme for Anakin Padme mm-hmm. it started off like that and then it went into something different so I feel like they they kind of like used parts of John Williams' work from the saga films and then kind of like. Let's make it our mo- our own kind of, but we'll use the same style, and they kind of made it sound the same. So, I mean, in the end, it's it it did feel really Star Warsy to me as far as the soundtrack goes. But it's, I mean, like you said, I'm not someone who um, really n- knows so much about the previous soundtracks to say if it had so much more of a difference or not. So, uh, I. I would attend to what uh, Sebastian was saying is I absolutely agree that the John Williams saga should kind of stay in that whole group body of work together and that these solo films, these anthology films should have their own tone and their own soundtrack, if you will, whether Mm -hmm. they borrow feeling or not from the saga style. But for whatever reason, I, and, and it, I need to go see it again because there's there's yes, I did. was so overwhelmed with everything that was happening. I need to go back in so I can really like digest process, everything yeah. Yeah, me too. and process <laughs> the whole thing. But I totally agree. Like that first opening blast, it's like we're starting to do the Star Wars, you know, blast, and then we're doing this whole new thing. And yeah. here we go, tra la la. And I'm like, wait, people just got assassinated. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? I think in terms of like the it, John it Williams like thing, the music didn't. It, it just felt like. <laughs> If if not all of it, at least some of it, and it might just be the front half or the first act, the the music kind of clashed with what was yeah. happening or the tone of it. And again, I can forgive him a little bit because he's got weeks to do it, right? You know, weeks oh, to, in order to do it. So I mean, it is. But something that? to say in terms of John Williams doing the saga was like, at some point Disney has to go forward, and that's where I thought not doing something different for this in terms of not only doing the film but doing a different type of film a different kind of director, a different music, new characters and all that is at some point they have to go forward and it's a great place to do it here. Let's talk new characters. There's a ton of new characters in this. Obviously we know a lot of them. There's Jay, there's, there's Jin and there's Cassian and K2SO and Chit Irway and 
Bayes, we can't remember his last name, Director Krennic, all these people. Favorite new character, give me one. Give me one favorite new character and why. Rich, favorite new character. Well, favorite character in the film. It doesn't mean that it's like your favorite overall. I, I, I really like Jen, and I thought that her transition was, uh, was spot on with what that character, after going through what she went through um, as a child, growing up, you know, basically being ban- abandoned, um, growing up within the war, I think that her character um, her, was spot on. My breakaway character is Bodie, is the, is the pilot. I am the pilot. I'm the pilot. I, I the, thought I am the captain now. When I when I saw him in the trailer, I thought he's just kind of a throwaway character. But he, he was much bigger than, than he ended up being. A, yeah. I liked him. I thought he was a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. And when he died, I I was affected. I was like, oh no, come yeah. on, not. If oh. anyone could have survived, I would have hoped it would have been him. Travis, favorite favorite character in the film. Uh the guy who ran away with it in a landslide for me was uh Chirut Imwe, uh Donnie Yen's character. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love Chirut. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll, like, we'll, we'll get to it when you get to me thing. too. Um don't get me wrong. I think the entire main cast was brilliant. Yes. Especially uh Genevieve playing Mon Mothma. Like I was like, Holy oh yeah. Crap. Like there's a lot of really good work here. I liked all the relationships, but Donnie Yen stole the show for me. Wait, from his his style, his attitude, his background, uh, the way he kind of played the classic monk role, like all of it. I loved his character from beginning to end. And he came up with a new type of kung fu just for the movie. Ethan, uh, favorite character K two S O. Um, I'm surprised it took us that long to get to it. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, just the the star- sarcastic nature and him just being a likable, sarcastic asshole. I just like, yeah, I like this guy. He was much better. I was I was afraid, much like BB-8, where I thought it was going to be overdone and I wouldn't like it. I was I was pleasantly surprised by how much I liked that character. And Alec Tunick did a good job with it. I no, he did a great job. Sebastian. That's a tough one, because the two main <laughs> characters are characters I liked from the old EU, basically. Uh, I think uh, K2, easily, because I've been waiting for the futuramization of <laughs> the droids in Star Wars. They're, they're, Bender in the Star Wars universe. They're, they're treated like absolute garbage, and while BB-8 was like, Oh, look, he's so adorable. Oh, how good. And I was just like, Oh, you disgust me. Uh, but I... <laughs> But with K2, I basically expected him to start calling people meatbags. Jen, I'm here for you. Because Cassidy he told me to. He was kind of HK, wasn't he? What? Yeah. He was kind of HK, wasn't he? Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was a bit. And I, I, I appreciated uh, a robot that had a different personality beyond uh, either... Uh, like, like C-3PO, if he yeah, was a total he, asshole. No, not even that. I, I think I th- because we got to see sort of a, a jerk C three PO in the prequels at one point. It was like a silver. Well, one it was just. Him. It was. I think that was just a miss. Whatever. There was like a, a miss on the tone <laughs> where this was intentional. Yeah, it really and well. and I feel like I feel like the intentionality of just like no, I kind of like the idea that even the droids of the Empire treat people that are not of the Empire as kind of beneath them. So I, mm. I appreciated that. Also, Blue Leader. Uh, yeah, who, he, who's a general? A general, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, cool. I, I, I thought that he was a character that kind of had that M feel from the James Bond movies. Who was very much, you know, 
not much, but the expanded universe stuff for him just enough to give him was just enough that I think like that's a character that can be explored in interesting ways. It was nice to see a rebel pilot and, that's and, a leader of a of squadron that gets a little bit of screen time. Yeah, other than just red leader. Well, you get Poe <laughs> in a way. Yeah, well, yeah, Poe. Uh, for me, with Travis Chittenway stole it for me. I, I knew I'd like it because he was he looked a little bit different. It's kind of funny as someone who went into the movie going, "I don't want any of the force stuff. I don't want any of the force stuff." The character that keeps talking about the damn force is my favorite character in the film. Um, I thought he had he had so much heart and soul in it. The funniest moment for me was his when he gets the bag put over his head. Are you kidding me? I'm blind. When I saw it the first time, that laughed. Was the greatest thing. The whole theater just cracked up. It was amazing. The entire place blew up. Yeah, it was. It was the Beth, funniest. Beth asked if that was improv. It's the funniest line that I've had in it. Um, I love. I love director Krennic, and I think Ben Mendelsohn did an amazing job. Yeah, an did absolutely job. amazing job. So it's very close. I picked Chit simply because, probably because he's the good guy. Yeah. Um. His, he he had a, a sense of a soul about him. And I loved, like Travis said, his attitude. He's always smiling. He's bringing a different sensibility to all the characters that are around him. And his relationship with Baze is fantastic. I mean, when he's walking away, he's like, alone? I'm not alone. I have you. Oh, damn it. You almost shot me. No, but I didn't. It's okay. He's a character that has, uh, I think, a a more explorable backstory as well. Because the idea that he was one of the monks that protected the Jedi. If you give the two of them a film, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like the fall fall of Jedi. How they deal with the fall of Jedi would be a film for me. Right, because he was a monk who used to protect the kyber crystals for the Jedi. So I thought that was something that was interesting. It's like, okay, that's a nice little piece of lore you could do. Uh, a little bit more with, I, yeah. and I also shout out to CG Tarkin. Well, we're going to talk about that. We'll we're going to talk about, about that uh, now because we're actually. But Krennic for me, Krennic w- was the Krennic from Catalyst. You and I are going to talk about that in a minute too. So hold that. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the returning characters. Obviously, we know Vader's in it. So we've gone through all of these rumors in terms of what Vader would be in this film, whether he was super dark and the rumor that they toned it down and all that stuff. Vader in the film. Uh, it's a small role, but it's a crucial role. What did you think of his appearance? Did you felt it was not necessary? What was it necessary? Was it not necessary? Did it uh, did it enhance the film, or did it somewhat take away from the film because you wanted something so new and so different? Vader in the film. Um, Start with Rich. Vader in the film. Well, I, after I saw it the first night, uh, when I was talking to Chris on Wednesday or on Friday morning, I said Vader, Vader is my my only problem with this film. And it was mainly the look of Vader, you know, because it, it just, the costume didn't look right. And then I realized after, you know, I, I was reading something or saw something and it said that Edwards purposely made Vader look the way he did because it was ex- done exactly like the 77 costume. Yeah, it's the New Hope costume. He Well, he did, the, I mean, he yeah. used the exact same technology and the exact same way that Lucas did it to do this one. Yep. Yeah. So they, they purposely were, things weren't supposed to be, you know, like, like, like the uh, seams weren't nice yeah. and prim and proper. The helmet wasn't symmetrical. The helmet the wasn't. First, yeah. yeah, some of the shots in a and new also, hope. It's and, not. And so also, symmetrical. when he finally has his, when you finally get to see him fight, he fights very much like the Vader from a New Hope because the suit is very restricting. Right. And I I, I appreciated that a lot because once I looked at it, I was like, oh, the suit looks really weird. Oh, it's the A New Hope version of the suit. It's not the Empire Strikes Was Back Vader suit. needed in the film? Um, it's a loaded question because needed's a hard word, but. I would like, I think when both of us saw it, he was like, oh, they're using Vader again. You know, that's I would have thing. said before before the movie, I would have said, no, Vader does not need to be in this movie. 
after seeing how they used Vader in this movie, I think they did a good job with it. I enjoyed them going to. I, I love the fact that Krennic ran to Vader to almost like be a. a we'll talk about that in a minute too. I want to do that at the end of it. But but I thought Vader was used just enough. I, they if I I've heard a lot of people say no, I wanted more Vader. No, I think that. So says you get more Vader in the next three films. I think that you could have done a little bit less of Vader, and it still would have worked. Yeah, my God, it, op- it opened. It opens on May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. They're they're hot on those contracts. Yeah. Travis Vader in the film. I fucking loved Vader in the film. All right, stop right there. That's it. That's all we need. Ethan, go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sebastian, you talked a little bit about it. I want a Darth Vader movie after this. Right, we've so talked about. I that's... still think twenty twenty should be the Darth Vader movie before sure. James Earl Jones passes before, away. Before before uh, Rogue One, like a, it, pre- uh, a, a purge. And as cool as he was in the movie, I wasn't settled uh, on whether or not he was necessary because you would get the connection in the end. You know, you in reality, right. all you would need is a five minute scene of like. Lord Vader, go get them. And he'd be like, yes, okay, I'll go get them. Or even he showed up with the fleet at the very end. Yeah, yeah. In term- in, in- but, but I will say, I, I didn't appreciate Vader being in this movie until I saw the salt from parents saying that they were afraid that their kids wouldn't see Darth Vader as a hero anymore because of the movie. <laughs> so uh, I immediately went, you know what? If Darth Vader needs to crush people's skulls in with the Force and stab a guy well, through the door... Because they forgot the last movie I... that he was in, he murdered children. Well, no, because he was an, he he wasn't in the suit. They called him Darth Vader, damn it! And I go like, oh, all yeah. right, you know what? Uh, the more Darth Vader murdering people in horrible, hilarious ways, <laughs> hilarious. The, the better. <laughs> so we find yes, we finally get Vader in. He was the EU full Vader. attack Vader. Yeah, full attack mode, oh, and they didn't go as far. Really, hold on, can they we hit talk it about really quick. That that last little sequence. That's what I'm talking about right now. So. If you read the comics and you read Vader down, he is massively powerful oh, yeah. in the comics. So and in even something where I thought it was way too far. Yes. This is exactly what I wanted. It's funny because you and I were talking last night and I said, I feel bad for every stormtrooper that was behind the door, the tent of four, the beginning of episode four, <laughs> because you just wanted him to go around and go, Lord, Lord Vader, you want to do this? <laughs> no, no. Oh, man. Can you take this? Let him go. Um, I thought they used his powers very well, and it was just very... It's, a, again, a different type of kung fu. When you saw the stick with the, with the Chit Airway, I'm like, yes, a kung fu movie in Star Wars. And in the end, it had a different type of kung fu. He's moving right. people around, throwing people to the ceiling and cutting them in half. What I appreciated with Vader was, and we'll talk about Tarkin in a minute, and like I said just a little bit earlier, the Empire as a... As an entity, is yes. so much more realistic in this. Is so much more in this than it is in the saga films because the Empire in the saga films is just treated as the chaser. Right. They're running after our heroes who are trying to do stuff, and we see them destroy Hoth and everything. You don't get the Empire that you start to see in the prequels in the way that he was trying to make a government. This yes. you get that 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 government and military, and if you take Tarkin, you get uh, Krennic, and you get Vader all into one, and this whole machination of what the Death Star means to these different people uh-huh. and how they go forward, that's what I loved having Vader well, in it. He is a part of the Empire, and that's the way he's treated. But he, he, to me, he was treated exactly the way Tarkin kind of treats him in A New Hope. And yeah. that's basically, he's the fist. Go, go punch the, somebody. Go. In A yeah. New Hope, until Kenobi shows up, Vader is just a member of the Empire, right? Until you find he has this connection with Kenobi. Well, well, I also, well, I see. Uh, in fact, after watching uh, Rogue One, I put A New Hope in just to see how the connection, how, how seamless the transition. Is that kind of cool, though? <laughs> I, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later uh, because there's there is something like 
we'll, when we get to it, it's the one thing that I think doesn't work when you watch them back to back. But I will say after watching it, no, uh, General Tarkin puts a lot of trust in Vader because, you know, in an unseen moment in A New Hope, he's like, I hope you're right, Lord Vader. Is the tracking device working? He's like, don't worry. Like, so no, I, I think General Tarkin, in a way, does have some respect for Vader and I think trusts his judgment to be able to go like, it's like, look, let them escape. We can put a tracking device on them, and that's how we'll find the Rebel base. It's yeah. eventually how they find that, that they're and on Yavin. As we've gotten more canon, especially the in the Tarkin Wars. book, and in the, and, and the pieces, we see Tarkin and Vader's relationship yes. in, in a different way. Let's talk about Tarkin, because we knew, didn't know, sort of knew, kind of expected uh, Grand Moff Tarkin, General Tarkin, Half to be expected. in the film. And we are introduced to him. He's staring off into through the viewport as Krennic comes in. And we see him from behind, like, okay, body double, uh, maybe some makeup. Kept, and he turns flame. around, he turns around, and both my girlfriend and I go, whoa. Yes, yeah. He looks spot on. Going yeah. to see it the second time makes you appreciate how incredible Holy that job looks. Crap. And he is an integral, absolutely integral part of the film. Yeah. And it's done with that. He, I thought he did might anyone, be in it, but... Did anyone have... Any issues with the CGI? I know two people who did. I did not, but it's also... I, I for, It's the future I've been talking about for a long time, that, look, you're, like, as much as I don't mind recasting, we're getting to a point where the technology is good enough that you don't have to anymore. Right. If you want to do more stories between five and six, and you need a young Luke Skywalker, people are just going to have to get over it. Eh, you got Sebastian Stan that could do it. Nah, he's already too old. But, uh, but but that's the thing is I watch the movie. It's like, look, I don't go watch a Pixar movie and go like, uh, the, they don't look real enough. The fish don't look real enough in Finding Dory. I'm out of this movie. And I feel like you're going to get to the point where you're either going to have to accept that old characters, old actors are going to be coming back as young people again. Or you're just going to have to learn to accept that sometimes they can do a characterization so well that you will just... Forget it, because with General Tarkin, he was clearly CGI, and there were a few moments he was a little bit stiff in the in the facial features. But the character was see, done. The second time I saw it, I it didn't was all, see it. Yeah. all but seamless. Yeah, it well, was amazing. And for me watching the movies, that even without the seamless nature of it, because it was seamless, I would say ninety five percent of the time. Yeah. There were a few moments where, of course, the actor who they're doing the face over has to move very carefully, but the characterization was done so well that you're willing to ignore the imperfections in the technology and that is what i appreciate about him the most the voice actor who did tarkin was great amazing mm -hmm. the body double i think didn't the... have as much leeway because when it's when they did something like tron legacy you know the actor yeah. has the points on his face and then they had jeff bridges to do the facial acting right. that yeah. they then converted in this this is not the same tech you could have carrie fisher act as carrie fisher and record her face and then superimpose that over a young person and over the actor's face in a much easier way than you can with Tarkin because unfortunately the actor is dead. The actor playing Tarkin that was a body double was one of the Death Eaters in Deathly Hollows too. Okay. Yeah. And I think he had, he had a bit of the same oh, change. Really? I think one of the yeah. things that helps he, he does kind of have that facial look though. Is that Peter Cushing's performance in A New Hope is not very physical. No, he doesn't have a lot of well, movement. And, and he's also he's also he's also very elderly in the original movie. Yeah. And after rewatching Episode one, the complaints of the stiffness of the of the actor in Rogue One, I think, is, is very unwarranted when you look at Peter Cushing. He, it's clear he that doesn't move, but that's also was, Tarkin. 
Well, I mean, yeah, that's what it, I mean. It, it's it's Tarkin, yeah. but it's Tarkin because yeah. of Peter Cushing not being yeah. able to do a lot of physicality. Right, but but when you read, especially works. reading Tarkin and things like that, and even seeing him in the Clone Wars and things, you Tarkin doesn't waste words. He doesn't no. waste movements. No. He, he he doesn't. But in terms of a specific, the, the, phys- the fastest it, bit of movement in A New Hope is when uh, Vader's choking uh, one of the generals, and he's yeah. like Vader, and he has to yeah, turn. He has, really, to turn. he has to turn really fast, he, and it's like he's like, "Oh my god, did you did you hurt yourself, Peter? Stop Fisher? it! Yeah, stop it! No, it, it's the the physical what you've seen in that type of media. The performances fit because that was the limitation at the time. Right. Let's talk about Leia. Because like, you see Leia for half a second. I thought the Leia now, see, one looked much thing. more CGI to me yes. than Tarkin did, yeah, and it's a I, much smaller Tarkin, role. Tarkin, I was throughout the entire movie watching Tarkin, I was continually, every single time he came back on screen, I'm sitting there watching, going, like, How the fuck did they make this look so good? Yeah, like it's almost like the same reaction when we had young Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. I was going to say after Michael Douglas like, and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, so, but but like, but, every time, I'm like, how is it this good? Like, how is it that it sh- I should be see me- seeing cracks in the facade? And then, and then the one that I would think, well, that's easier because she's still alive and they could do something. Carrie and the fact Fisher that it's much smaller. And I'm like, she looks like a Barbie doll. Like, she looked plastic to me. Whereas like Tarkin, I was like he looked realistic at least. Well, I think I, well, I, th- I I I I'm gonna postulate my my theory on why she looks different. And and her being in the movie is not is not my biggest issue with Princess Leia being in the movie. I think it's when an you, extra add on. Sure, sure. But when you when you look at Princess Leia's makeup that they did in A New Hope, she looks very waxy. I was gonna say she has yeah. very heavy makeup because she is a teenager, so they have to hide a lot of a lot of blemishes in her face for the film. Teenagers. So when you look at her, she's she's very smoothed over in A New Hope, and I think in trying to replicate that, it didn't come out as well. But my only mm-hmm. issue with Leia being in the movie is if it was just it's like it's like uh, Princess, here's the plans for the Death Star, blah blah blah. And if they had just closed out the movie and showed her looking out of uh, looking they out could have done the, the, the cockpit. And I think if they just showed that move, if they just showed like her like you know smiling. And just like nodding her head or something as she looks out the the cockpit window of the Tantiv, I think if you ended the movie there, you'd be fine. But the moment she says it's hope, I kind of go, okay, that's cool. If you don't watch A New Hope ten minutes later, which I did, I watched A New Hope immediately after getting home, just to be like, okay, what's the connection? And then you get her actual introduction as a character. It sort of detracts from the impact in one way or another. And I felt like if she was a silent character who receives it. And then movie end. It, it was an odd piece. I'll agree with you because especially the second time I saw it, it's an odd piece to have that moment of like, oh, we have it. Everything's fine. And they're being chased immediately. It's like, no, you're not fine. But yeah, they don't. They're no, they're because that's why they jump in the in the hyperspace. Vader is still on the rebel right he, rebel command ship. He sees he hasn't jumped. He hasn't jumped yet until. He follows their jump coordinates. That's when when it they come in. It doesn't. It doesn't matter that they jump. It because, does to, to yeah. me. To me, because I'll tell you, because they're still up against a moon that can blow up a planet, 
And they actually yeah. officially confirmed that the Death Star can move through hyperspace. Yeah. Oh, that was confirmed. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's actually said in a movie, not, oh. not one of your you, not one you, of your books. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting because <laughs> if you look at the film, all those planets are really really close to each other. Yes. Because you have them take off from Yavin and no, make it, it to, they're to not, Edu. They're not, they're not close to each other. They move at the speed of plot. Well, yeah, that that was that's the joke yes. because they get to Edu really really fast. Sure. So uh, yeah, Leia, Leia was uh, Leia was fine. I just to me, I understood they want to end the film on a happy piece after you just see all your characters. And besides, get you have to end it on least, hope because the look, next one's at, called a new hope. No, no, you, no, you don't one. because the movie's already called a new hope. It's an unnecessarily it's an unnecessary line that when you watch them back to back, completely ruins Leia's introduction in a new hope. No, I mean it's not like oh my god, the veil has been removed. See, the yeah. only thing that that ruined it for me was in the opening crawl for a New Hope. It says that Leia was heading home. Now Rogue One sets up that she was never heading home. She was heading to Tatooine to Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, I always took it as that that was the that was the uh, the the um, what's the thing the, uh, the 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 fake mission not the fake whatever uh, the veil of the mission was that she was headed home. So that if she got stopped by the Empire, where are you going? Oh, we're going to Alderaan, going rather to Alderaan. than saying we're going well, to Tatooine. If you, if you take it that way. Jimmy Smith knows, uh, Bail Organa knows that Luke Skywalker is on Tatooine. Yes, he knows. So that he doesn't want to tell the Empire, hey, go check out this planet right. where there's, also, an old ge- there's an old general and a guy whose last name is Skywalker. But let's, I want to jump to the same they were planet. They also that, planning to get the, the Death Star plans to the They wanted to, to grab the, to the Kenobi and Kenobi to go to Alderaan and go to Senate. Okay. Yeah, they needed I want to move on. I want to move on because I want to move to the last battle. Where we see the Rebel fleet show up at Scarif, and we see a whole bunch of X-Wings, and it's really cool. And then we see a bunch of people that you haven't seen in 40 years. Yay. You have Gold Leader, you have uh, 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 Red Leader is shown, and a number of other pieces that were um, taken from A New Hope. A New Hope, taken and from footage, footage that was not, that was not used, yes. and that sort of thing. We're, that was the point. I was really happy, and then South Park hit, and I was like, remember Star Wars? <laughs> So there was a bit of a piece, but you can't tell this film. You can't tell the story of this film without telling what? the no, story. No, of no love for the original Red Five. No, you I, can't have. You can't. The Red Five piece. The Red Five piece. Our totally. Chub, yeah. Our chubby cheeked little yeah. angel. <laughs> Porkins. Porkins. I, one. I, I thought that was perfect because it, it opens up a spot for of course, Luke to take. Luke yeah. Well, that's what everyone over. said. Yeah, but he didn't need to. Anyway, and I was that's, like, that's no, your point. We'll get that. We'll get that. Also, did you notice that it was his helmet too? Yeah. yeah. So same, so somebody recovered the poor guy's helmet floating. They in just got well, extra one because Lucas Lucas had uh, said don't, he, don't don't mind the blood. Lucas uh, had requested that that helmet be put off. in there. Well, yeah, no one has to listen yeah, to Lucas anymore. They, 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 they hose it off. off. The they hose it off. Well, no, that's so, okay. Yeah, so hold on, stop, stop, stop. That's so why there's all this carbon scoring on the helmet. So yes, everyone's yeah. fine with the the pilots and everything. Everyone enjoyed the pilot show. I loved them. I was great. I mean, how do you have Red Squadron and and Gold Squadron up there and no, it's really well. And we're gonna and I want to do that. Just, red, just towards red the end. Two. <laughs> I just want to as he's hosing down all the blood. I just want to do the piece. Now here's the, here's the thing that I missed in terms of those pilots. I never hear Wedge. Wedge is not in it. Everyone keeps saying Wedge no, is in it. Screen Rant said that Wedge was in oh, it. No, no, no. It said Bail Organa is watching out, and he says Captain Antilles, and they just no, no, no. Away. That no, no, no. Captain Antilles. Captain and... Antilles is not Wedge. Screen Rant has said that Wedge's voice is in the Battle of Scarif. And, then, and I'm, I'm assuming nobody else heard I'd it. Have to it's listen. Not. I'd have to listen to okay. it again, but I, I didn't, didn't hear it. All right, it, so it now, it's not. All right, so I want to move past that. But the actor already said he wouldn't come back for... Well, that was a He wasn't Star. coming Force back Awakens, for... Yes. And I because doubt, the role was too small or whatever. Yeah. And I if, get, you, if you look at the end credits where it says a special thank you to like Carrie Fisher and yeah. Peter Cushing's estate and all the actors that came, that back, came back to do voices he is not listed or to there. Yeah. Footage. Yeah, he's not in it. Um, okay. So I want to get past it. So uh, 
we have a lot of new troopers. We have a lot of new vehicles. We have a lot of new stuff. Oh, we can't wait, do a Star wait, Wars wait, wait, film. We got to mention Captain Sin- uh, General Sundula. So no, we're going no, no, to do that that's later. Easter yeah, we're going to do Easter eggs later. Oh, um, Easter eggs is at the end. Okay. Yeah, Easter eggs is, is just the before the end. Uh, I want an Easter egg in an, as an Easter egg. A, a Russian doll of Easter eggs. Well, yeah. uh, so we have new troopers. We have new vehicles. In terms of, we had talked about this a little bit before. We see a lot of new stuff. And we sort of wonder, well, did they have to do something new, or did they have to do something new because there's toys? Yada yada. And I said, I love toys. new trooper design and stuff like that. But here's the thing: does the new stuff work for you? Yes. From a sure. design sensibility, do you feel they were used in the correct way? And I want to specifically talk about the Death Troopers as Krennic's personal guard. And then when we get through, I want to talk about the Death Troopers speaking in an indecipherable language and what the reason for that is. So, is there anything that you looked at? Because you had a problem with the Tie Fighter uh, for at a first, while. The, 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 the Tie yeah. Strike. The tie strike, I had a, I had let's a problem just, with. Let's just cut. Uh, let's just cut a, a tie interceptor in half. In a way. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, after watching the movie a couple times, I was I realized that the tie strike is the in atmosphere sure, tie sure. fighter. You can you can yeah you can basically it say actually that. says that in the information on Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, it, but then again. Tie fighters, w- tie fighters, fighters would not be very maneuverable in atmosphere, and yet they use them in, in the TFA. So yeah, but it's, uh, it, well, it's you have a you have an in universe explanation for. They it. fixed the technology by apparently um, the Death Trooper specifically Krennic's black. I play Battlefront. Stormtroopers. Battlefront is now canon, and, and you it's can not use, shut up with canon you, already. You can use Tie Fighters on. I fought in the Battle of Hoth against those Rebel scouts. Good for in a you. Tie fighter. Battlefront is not canon. That's true. Uh, any, anything where you can affect the outcomes in that canon. In terms of the Death Troopers, <laughs> the, what, do, what do we think that is? I think it's just coded messages. I, I think, it, yeah. I think he scrambled their messages in his coded messaging. I think yeah. exactly. So talking to each other out loud is, is coded messages. Or they're aliens. Whatever. They're See, that was the, no, what the, we the, hear. the two that I heard, the two things that I was thinking is that they're either aliens or they're, or they're droids. Or droids. See, oh, yeah. we were talking about that last night, and I was thinking about that. I didn't think about the droid angle. And Somebody tweet Pablo Hidalgo. We I don't want to know him. yet, because... Here's the, the the visual dictionary and the art of is out. Yes. But I'm not getting them until Christmas. So I don't want to know until I read it. Like, when I read the, the visual dictionary for TFA, there's obviously a ton of information. Oh, there's in there so much stuff. There's a backstory there. sort of thing. So I kind of want to save that experience for it. I just kind of wanted to mention I, no, it. I know. I honestly, before yeah, the, Travis had said it, I was, I've been thinking about it. It hope. does sound like it is coded message. That's a, that was one of my possibilities too, but, it but it's also if you're gonna if you're gonna talk to each other, you could just hear it in the helmet. You don't need it to be well, that was a, my stated. problem. My, one of my biggest problems when the first time I saw Phantom go Menace, down that hill. The first uh, the yeah. first time yeah. I saw Phantom Menace, I couldn't figure out why the droids talk to each other. Roger, Roger. Yeah, there's no reason. There's no reason. Well, it should be it the reason be, is you need babies to laugh. Exactly. I don't know, but it was also you need the audience to kind of know what they do. But I, I always thought. They would never talk to each other. In terms of them talking to each other, they would never mm-hmm. actually you talk. You need them to go, in. uh, and think about what they're going to yeah. do for something. Well, that was after they, they got rid of the control ship. After, after well, no, they just the fall apart. Battle of Naboo. No, um, no, in, no, in Naboo, in the hangar scene, there's that one woman's like, wait a second, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah. Uh, fire yeah. on them. Yeah. Like, no, it's because babies need the, to, the comedy. So Sebastian started to mention it before. There's a number of Easter eggs in the film, and I think one of the big ones for us is that the ghost is seen twice. Yes. We hear General Sindula's name being called, and yes. we believe it's Harrop. Are we, are we guessing that by this time in the timeline? Unless Harrop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it Hera? As it has general? to be. Well, well we think yeah. it's Hera because the the father never get, makes it off of Ryloth. Right. So and we've said he never. Like we know for a fact he doesn't make it off. Yeah, right? and we right. believe we know that he doesn't leave Ryloth. Chopper is in the film. 
and the ghost is in the film, it's very easy to assume that it's General Sindula. What I want to ask for people that are watching Rebels, are you upset that we now know the fate of Hera before the series would end? No, because I always expected Hera. I'm just just asking. I I expected Hera to survive. Travis? for, For me, in the bigger Star Wars picture of things... This movie uh, is the one movie I kind of expect to see everyone late to slaughter. Whereas with the Star Wars Rebel universe, I would be okay with both Jedi going down. I would be more upset with Hera dying. Like, I'd rather see her make it through as the altruistic... She's she's kind of the fight the power classic rebel doesn't really have any superpowers of any like she's the that through line of right. getting through to the end. And we've discussed this before that just because they're not in the films doesn't mean they don't survive. Even Correct. Kanan and, and Ezra could go off into the outer rim and just go, hey, we're just done with True. this. True, and Hopefully eventually become Snoke. So yeah, it was a it was a it was a fun <laughs> Easter egg. I caught it. They, they the, merged. Yeah, the first the time I still haven't seen Chopper, but they I caught it the first time I saw it because the apprentice always kills the master. Um, the first time I saw it, I saw the ghost on Yavin. It was like, ooh, hey, look, there's the ghost. And then we see it in, in the battle over Scarif. I, I actually and I heard saw the, the ghost. I, it, there was... Well, you see it twice in the battle. Uh, you, see you, see, it... you see it quite a few times yeah, in the battle. Yeah, because you see it uh, when they first hyperspace yeah. in to Scarif. Yeah. And then when uh, the Mon Calamari is like, what's going on down there? Yeah, you see, you see it fly under, you see it kind of, yeah. the, the only problem I had with the film. I thought um, the Mon Calamari was terrible. The voice for it was terrible. I, I love the design. I was watching football... Two weeks ago, and a Rogue One TV spot came on, and it's when all of the fleet jumps in, and I yeah. saw the ghost. I was like, "No, ah, that's in there." Yeah. Um, in terms of the Battle of Scarif, this is this is. The, I want to talk about something with just a general. Did you want to finish thing. going over the Easter eggs, or do you want to? That was pretty much it. I mean, in no, terms there's of the a lot Easter, more. Well, no, there's Easter eggs, and then there's stuff that everyone's like, "Oh, that's an Easter." No, it's not. There's, it's just a part of the damn film. Big nose guy who shows up. Yeah, again. there's not, uh, so we see Doctor Evazon and Pondababa. Huh? It's Doctor Evazon and and Pondababa. Show up in the film. I think one of one of my favorite pieces, and I don't know if it's Easter egg, but I like to think it is, is when Jin is talking about what Saw says and says that a single being with a sharpened stick can change the the, the course of the day or whatever, course of the galaxy. And immediately I went, she's talking about Ewoks. Yeah, that's that's the audience going, yeah. shut up about fucking Ewoks already. In Saul's it's, cave, there's yeah. there's cave paintings of uh, Godzilla and monster up on there. That's interesting. Um, Speaking of Saw Gerrera, the interesting parallel between him and Darth Vader in the movie is absolutely fascinating. That slowly, he's mm -hmm. been in so many battles, he's just made himself more machine than man. And it's Mm. very inelegant, and even he needs a respirator, so he puts on the... Yeah, when that part hit, I said that's their... When he was doing that, and especially the sound... Yeah, I yeah. thought they're making yeah. the allegory between what what happened to him and what happened to Vader and the way that they changed because even he... As a, as basically broken off from the alliance as a different part of the alliance was almost like he went down a dark path as well. Right. But in, in, the, in the, the implication was that basically yeah. people sort of saw him much in the way that you would see Darth Vader because he kidnaps people. He uses uh, monsters that rape your brain. Very interesting yeah. to, for a Star Wars film to uh, to get information from you and it can leave you uh, mentally. A lot of people hated that. What the mentally I mean, the, yeah, the, the mind the. the, the no, I'm sorry. He's the the, the 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 allegory was clear that he was basically Darth Vader. Darth Vader would use the Force to steal information from your brain, 
And he just uses... Or a torture droid. Or a torture droid. And he just uses some right. rando alien monster to do it for him. Uh, another Easter egg was when the two stormtroopers are walking through and it says the... Uh, the yeah. He says the... the the, uh, the, one, the, same, the 115s the thing, are, yeah, are that's being on the, that's on the Death Star. And he's like, good. It's about time when because you know, hey, there's, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of couple of little pieces like. And that. I'm telling you, it's unconfirmed yet, but I'm telling you, the call sign when they get to Scarif, the SW0608 stands for Star Wars, 06 being that they the Rogue One is the sixth, uh, sixth property in line behind Episode One, Two, Clone Wars, Episode Three, and Rogue uh, and Rebels. They're six. And they are the eighth movie, so it's O is SW O six O eight. That's possible. Uh, I, I mean, then doesn't sound unreasonable. Yeah. When when I heard the first time, I was like, okay, the SW Star Wars, the O eight, the eight. I'm just glad they didn't one. use the one one three eight. I'm so glad they didn't. And then they broke the also the 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 other moment is the the I have, I have a, a bad, bad feeling. feeling. And they, no, they, you they don't. Stop, they stop. They stop. Like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah, Quiet. I I love that. And I it thought that was the point. part yeah, when you said that you laughed. No, I the the, the chick everyone's. Um, in terms of Battle Scare, this is this is like a more of a general thing, and then I want to get into the the trailers. Um, and you may have had this since if you watched episode four right after. It to me it changes that cost of the the Death Star battle because it's not just the dozen or so pilots that die over the Death Star. Most of the fleet gets destroyed. Most of your starfighters get destroyed yes. over Scarif. And that's why there's only 20-odd fighters to throw against the Death Star. Because right. the base at Yavin 4 has been decimated of its starfighter uh, capacity. Uh-huh. And so getting to the end of it, it really feels, and, and I'm glad they did this, is again in part of the tone, the cost to defeat the Death Star is so much bigger now. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's all the characters oh God, that you've been that really following. Sets up how much it means. Yeah, because all the characters you've been following, following are all dead, in right. trying to 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 get the rebels these plans. The if you start from the point of they've discovered that there's a Death Star, they need the plans for it, and then they need to blow it up. The three steps over now two films. The the tone I was looking for, where I said there's got to be some terror, there's got to be some cost. That's there, and it was one of the things I really appreciated was the fact that you had to go through so much to get to the end. In fact, this battle is so much bigger than the battle of the Death Star, and part of that is the time that the films are made in. Um, uh, the, 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 the doing it from '77 to doing it to now, we uh, you could get only so much then, and versus what you can do now, and they did a great job of putting those two pieces together so that. What you did now makes sense in terms of how you can movie make it by slaughtering all these people is that that's why 77, the 1977 film looked like there weren't so many people in it. And then I do like the, the fact that whoever was writing this film and doing this film, Gareth Edwards and Tony Gilroy and Chris Weitz, I think, or Wentz, uh, there's a line in, in A New Hope, we talked about this last night, when the adjunct comes to Tarkin and says, we've analyzed the plans and there is a danger, should I have your shuttle standing by? now makes a lot more sense yes. because they would be looking at the same plans that the rebels are looking at and thinking there's something here and it takes away the 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 joke for so long well, the, that the, the biggest thermal, plot yeah, hole the biggest plot well, not necessarily a plot hole but just the idea that the the imperi- the, the emperor or the empire is so stupid that they leave this flaw well they didn't right galen urso leaves it and there is a reason why it blows up so quickly. Episode 
uh, six, they can get into the structure. Right. It's not a flaw. It's just the damn thing isn't done yet. Exactly. The rebels weren't supposed to find out. And that's what everybody everybody was like. Well, they did the same thing. They had the same flaw. No, they never went in. They just went into the opening. They went into the giant half of the Death Star. What the Empire. What was stupid was that they left the flaw in the third one for people to get into. And he goes, like, really? Really? Because, yeah, when you're watching. Because Return of the Jedi has been on TNT all weekend. Oh, Jar Jar Abrams. And watching the. Jar Jar Abrams. Watching the uh, the the rebel briefing, um, it's well, the empire. The, the empire dependent on the shield. Yes, keeping the Death Star safe. That they would be able to stop the rebels from destroying the shield on the bunker, and that that would keep the Death Star safe until it was completed. It's okay. The shield those those yes. Ewoks got their just desserts after the explosion of the Death Star. Yeah, because they ate. All of the people. Well, no, because no, I know all that, of the yes. debris and the it's because everything and, else just totally fits into physical reality. I like to believe that those Ewoks just moments later. Ah, how do we know that they came, it, the debris came down on that side of the planet? It doesn't matter, Luke. No, you, you have Luke debris used the big. force and moved all the debris out. You need uh, to destroy the dinosaurs. You only need an asteroid that's a couple miles. Yes, big. but and the but the implosion, is, the implosion of the Death Star is going to. Eat up most of that big debris. And, no, it's not, and destroy their atmosphere. No, we're not going to talk explosion. about. We're not going to talk about reality ex- in a thing with <laughs> hyperspace that doesn't exist and using your hands. You to don't, move you don't objects even need me. The Neil deGrasse Tyson also talked oh, about God, how. God. Like, yeah, I know. I know. I've heard it. We, we want to make. We want to make all of our movies perfectly real. In a movie about the Force, that's what you hey, have a problem. People with. already eat Ewoks for jerky, so. Yeah, well, the Ewoks in, in canon are actually eating people. They are eating the, people yeah, as well. Yeah, because they tried to start by eating Han and Luke. Yes. Uh, it's okay, we eat them back. <laughs> I, play the, I play the RPG. I keep a handy supply of Ewok jerky That's in disgusting. my bag. Um, it's my little vengeance. So <laughs> we're going to talk about... We I don't get think through the Ewoks the film, are that bad. We get through the film. Yes. And immediately, and I think both you and I, and I'm sure Sebastian had the same reaction, holy crap, half of the trailer is not in that film. Oh, yeah. No, there's yeah. huge scenes that are missing, including the two very iconic pieces: Jin versus the Tie Fighter as she's going down the the, the scaffolding, and the Tie Fighter comes it up. Comes up, yes. And the uh, the most iconic line of "It's a rebellion, I rebel." I, rebel. I hated that line. I'm so happy it was gone. So uh, those two pieces are that missing. Line was there's there a lot of girls. there's a lot of other numbers, the other pieces. Were you? Disappointed in not seeing some of the stuff in the trailer? Was there anything in the trailer that you were disappointed not seeing? Especially the way that it's cut. uh, When you look, uh, especially that last scene where she's on the thing and she has to realign the dishes Mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, the the video game logic of the button to do this (laughs) thing. We discussed that last night. The whole whole structure was set up like that. You you have the force, you can dodge laser bolts, but you don't know where the switch is on a console. Can't put them both next to each other. Sure, silly stuff like that aside. uh, it's, It's... wholly unnecessary i mean again they shoot things for trailers just to have trailer moments right. now and never have them well end. obviously there was a lot of this stuff especially we went back and watched the first trailer, i just feel bad and that most of the first trailer's gone the plot oh, yeah. the yeah. plot's changed and, and i think sure, a big part sure. of the plot because her the, characters change and stuff like because that. There's, there's a number of pieces that are missing and there's a big there's a big pieces well, and one well, of the big pieces about that the tie fighter have. shot there's a beautiful i think it's a mondo poster of Jin on that on yeah. that platform, and there's the TIE fighter as a poster. goes like, well, there you go, What everybody. it led to was one of the things I talked before, and that the endings for these characters, there's also the shot of Chit and uh, and Baze running from the AT-AT, or the AT-ACT, whatever you want to call them. So we're just going to call it AT-ATs for, for easy sake. In the trailer is, we're going to call it AT-AT just for the hell of it. In the trailer, it seems a lot longer. And there's a number of sites that, in Screen Rant is one of them that has speculated that 
Jin's ending was that she's shot on the scaffolding by the TIE fighter and she dies alone at the top of the, of the, the scaffolding. And that Baze and Chit are just simply crushed by under this thing. The shot of the cargo ship exploding is different in the trailer as you see a rebel in the front with the laser gun like jump away from it so that maybe that was a little bit different. The sensibility from some of the changes that you've seen leads to the possibility that the ending of the film was going to be much more bleak in I, terms of tone and that they changed it, which I actually, once seeing it, I agree with having their ending be a little bit more, the endings of some of these characters be a little more heroic or a little more meaningful than the, the just them kind of dying alone in the middle of nowhere. I don't, I, I disagree with you uh, to a degree on this because after seeing it, after watching those trailers again last night and everything, I think that Jen makes it off of the platform, and what we see her running on the beach is her running to a ship to get away. But she's, the, the re- problem is she still has the plans on the beach. The, yes, she has plans on the beach. Yeah, she, she wouldn't need them. If she'd already transmitted... She, no, no, she wouldn't be... Well, okay, may, maybe the whole tower thing wasn't even in there, and she got the plans and was leaving because... Well, no, it's also she, in the trailer is that she's on that tower. So that... The, but, the she, but she had shot. her... But she originally... Um, I, I Felicity guess, Jones had a had a sequel clause in her contract, so that tells me that they originally uh, had an idea of her. Why well, the sequel clause is there just in case they change their mind one way or the other? But I, I think the original plot was her surviving. No, what I, th- I, I what I think the original plot is is that the dish and the um, the, uh, the and the, 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 the storage unit were, were completely separate. So that the the shots because again you you're missing the shot of them not in their imperial uniforms. You see Aunt, uh, uh, Cassian and Jin running through the station, mm-hmm. uh, the subway station that they shot in, and she has the plans at that point, too. Right. I think the vault was not the tower. The vault was someplace different. She gets the plans and runs from the vault to the tower. Which would make sense the because sequ- they used yes. the subway. But it also would have been much more, it's a much longer sequence, Yes, which I understand if they cut it, they kind of just push those two pieces together. So I would understand that change. One of the other changes that, we, that, that um, I was thinking of in terms, in the shot in the very first trailer is the shot of two or three rebel pilots in the in the classic orange jumpsuits in shackles on Jeddah. Mm-hmm. The in the film itself, you see a down uh, fighter when when Baze is saves Chit. He's sitting in front of an X wing that's smoking. Uh-huh. Uh, we see a down tie fighter. I think that there was a larger battle in Jeddah that got cut for time. Right. Probably. And so that we, the after effects of it, like when they first arrived, they would have seen the battle. You see the after effects of it in terms of um, the, the, the smoke on the ground, all the type of stuff, and that there was a lot more than just they attacked the hover tank convoy. And again, if it's cut for time, it's cut for time. That's not it. They could have also cut it for the fact that they used a TIE fighter, and then you had the TIE strikes on the other one. Well, you see the TIE fighters in it all over the place. I mean, they're, right, they're all over Genesis. Yeah, well, you see it all over Genesis. Yeah, which, which is why somebody just wanted to design a cool new ship yeah. for the movie. And the reason is like, oh, atmosphere. It's like, no, no, no. When you watch Jetta, they're actually just TIE fighters flying well, around. Well, they, they just introduced the Defender in sure, Rebels. Sure. So, I mean, they, also, they also did, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it. There was the one moment where I think it's the... Uh, where I think it is one of the uh, classic ties is uh, going to one of the star destroyers in space. Was it? Uh, was it? Uh, did they go back to the tie bomber for that? They use the tie. They, they have the tie. a tie bomber when Vader goes to uh, the rebel. Yes. Yes. The, okay. There's two tie fighter. There's the shuttle Tidarium, Two tie fighters. There's and a, a tie, escort. And there's a tie bomber. On okay. There's two well. tie. There's two ties and two, two bombers. Yeah. Two ties and two bombers. Okay. So yeah, I saw that. And well. I was like, hey, good. They brought that back. Yeah. So. There's a lot of cuts. I mean, there's, 
the there's Mon Mothma's lines are different. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of uh, Cassian's lines are different. Yeah, a lot of alternate takes. And when you see, we also don't have the the hologram of the Death Star. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's a couple minor things. That's why things I think versus, that's why I think a lot of the plot was changed. Of, I don't have a lot of the plot. I think a lot of her character was changed because yes. a lot of the stuff that led to the idea that not only was she wanted by the Empire or that she was defying Imperial law was also that she was defying Rebel law. The shots of her in the very first trailer of her walking across the the uh, hangar in Yavin is her still in shackles. Those uh-huh. don't exist anymore. Yep. Yep. She's she's saved from uh, the planet, the Wobani planet, which is uh, you know an anagram for Obi Wan. So I'm also wondering if that actually was never supposed to be in it. I, I think that, that, she that was, could have been added. Yeah, that she was actually saved on Jeddah in a way and then brought back or whatever. Um, the one of the things we see in the film, at least in my, I eyes, think the other asteroid uh, space station thing was added to. Yeah, the the yeah the trading post thing. It was very quick for, and I think that establishes Cassian's character as he shoots yeah. his informant in the back because he's not going to survive. He's like, well, you're going to get captured by the Empire and you're going to get tortured, so I'm just going to shoot you in the back and you're going to die and then I'm going to escape. Um, in the film, in the briefing sequence. Mon Mothma has a ton of lines where you don't see her. Yes. I think it's obviously it VO ADR. stuff that was, uh, that was done afterwards. Yeah, they did ADR. So, that, again, it would be really interesting to see if we ever get a true making of and see what those differences are. They, hopefully they'll throw deleted scenes and stuff on. Yeah, the one go, thing that I would say that I was disappointed in. Deleted, maybe alternate in, scenes. That what I was disappointed in that I saw in the trailer that I got really excited for that wasn't there was when Jin and Cassian are running along the beach and the Adats are in front of them. There's like five of them. Excuse me. And there's the ones like shooting right towards the screen. And that's not in it. And, there's also, that and I get the feeling that that's part of the... Uh, yeah, that I, was part I, of the I, I agree with you that the the database center was different from getting to the antenna That array. Scarif scene was, I think, supposed to be a lot longer. And yeah. I think the Jetta sequence should have been a lot... Was supposed to be a lot longer. And but the, the movie still the, clocks in at two hours and yeah, 15 the, minutes. the troopers on the beach isn't there either. Yeah. And I, I get the feeling that, no, this was... Well, there's also there. Vader on the Death Star that's not there. There's Vader on the, the Death, Death Star's Star. missing too. Uh, ben Mendelsohn's, uh, as Karenik's line, the... The power that we're dealing not there because yeah. the background is, is is shown as the Death Star. Uh, so there's a lot of different pieces missing. I said we'll see the thing. So we all loved it. What I want to ask is my final piece. We have another solo film coming up in two two years. Ha. The Han Solo solo film. Does what, this film does this film make you more excited for that film, or did you feel the same way? Like whether you cared or not cared going into it. Excited, no, but. Uh, Satisfied with their ability to accomplish standalone films, yes. The fa- this movie proved to me that okay, they're gonna this they're gonna do this. This was clearly very successful, and with the right touch, I don't think I have to worry too much because I like Donald Glover as uh, oh yeah Calrissian. and he wants to make him cool. Yeah, well, I th- no, that's, he wants that's to a, keep him cool. That's a that's a, <laughs> He's no, that's a discussion cool. for another day because as much as I like Donald Glover, there's a certain. Uh, there's a certain energy that <laughs> Billy D. Williams projects that is something that, that very hard, to, very hard for anyone not Billy D. Williams to do. Donald yeah, Glover's got a chance. He's going to be watching a lot of Cult Forty Five commercials. And... I think I think he's uh, he's the smart choice for it. Oh, uh, he's the, the actor choice. who's going to play Han Solo. I like. I've seen him in uh, two movies, and I think I think he's pretty. good. He was great in again, um, uh, Hail Caesar. Yeah. So I. I I've got no After issue. I saw that, I was like, I'm done. He, I'm good. Yeah, I've got no issue with uh, with him uh, um, playing Han Solo. But for me, it's I was like, no, uh, this was successful, and I think that they're capable of doing it. And I think they have, especially when you look at, uh, I think Colin Trevorrow did this one, right? No. No, no Colin, Colin Trevorrow is doing, he's doing eight. eight. 
Uh, no, he's doing nine. No, he's Ryan doing Johnson. nine. He's doing eight. Yes, Ryan Johnson, the, the who, who, who did, makes an uh, appearance. That was another yeah, Easter egg. The guy who did Godzilla did this one. Yes. yes. Gareth Edwards. Gareth did. Edwards, thank you. And I think I think very much in a way that if they pick directors who are not, who love Star Wars but aren't beholden to it, and I think that's sort of the big difference because... Uh, the behind-the-scenes featurette that they did where, where Gareth Edwards says... I'm trying to be respectful because, and I'm paraphrasing, because I'm stepping on the toes of the beginning of my favorite film of all time, but if I don't do something different, what's the point of doing right, it? Right, right. Right, and, and again, like, it, like to sort of give you... Who's the, doing the solo film? Have they announced who the director is? They have to by this point. It's, uh, I think they have. It starts uh, in February. It starts filming. Mm-hmm. Keep going. So, uh, for me, just to sort of give you an insight into, into like, my purchasing habits, I don't own The Force Awakens. <gasps> I don't own it. I did That's not. okay. He bought six of them That's for okay. you. I own a copy for uh, you. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like I just didn't like the movie at all, and <gasps> and upon and upon rewatch because my dad bought a copy and at, rewatching it at home, I just like nope, nope. I I'm happy I did not purchase this. I can't. And as I was saying, it's not. I I feel bad because it's not really the actor's fault. Uh, and J.J. Abrams, I I, I have a love hate relationship with him. I think he's a great idea guy, but I don't think he's usually the guy to do a lot of execution. But when I look at somebody like. Uh, gareth edwards who did this film i feel like there's there's a love for star wars but there's enough of his own personality in the movie that he made it his I own think jj had to play i think he had to play no, it. that's a, that's no, that's that, that, stop, stop, that's stop, another, stop 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 i don't want to discuss the no no that's i don't want to discuss yeah, that, that's a, that's a, no i agree that's a discussion for another time before before we went uh, Han Solo film is Phil Lord and Chris Miller yes. did the Lego film. Yes, that's perfect. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, perfect. But I'm good. Good. Excellent. See, you, so yes, it, the choices that they've made because yeah. seeing the choice of Gareth Edwards from the start gave me like ooh. Yes. Martin, Godzilla's Godzilla was very uneven. Godzilla was very well, and and, and I will say mediocre-ish. that mediocre-ish. Yeah, and but I will say but that may not have been him. Yeah, but I feel like a Gareth Edwards in this movie. Uh, so Warner Brothers. There, there is, there is. I think there is a big issue with some pacing because the first twenty minutes of of Rogue One were something that was kind of, was very choppy. The editing was very interesting. Like instead of using wipes, they just a lot of hard scene transitions. They said and they stuff. did that specifically to stay away from yeah, the, that's fine. the no crawl, the no swipes, and changing the fact that it tells you where you are in every instance except when you go to Mustafar. Right. Yeah, right. I know. Right. Uh, it just oops. Somebody forgot and didn't to. keep it a secret for very long. No. Well, uh, the the theory was that. Originally, you weren't supposed to know Vader was in the film. And so when he shows up, you would be like, where the hell are we? Are why we are actually... we in Mustafar? And there was no way yeah, to keep I, it a secret. Like, that was exactly but the I was like, same moment why not just I put... Yeah. I was just like, it's like, why are we on Mustafar? And then to have the moments like, oh, man, they Obi-Wan really screwed with your head if you decided to make your home on yeah. Mustafar. Your, your temple's there. Because in the original EU, he has a temple on Coruscant. Like no. up in the north. No, he had a spot in, in one of the books, and it might have been Kevin J. Anderson's books. He actually has a, a retreat on Coruscant, which yes. is in the middle of a terrible right. place. Man. Right, because there was supposed to be a battle at the, in Return of the Jedi where Luke and Vader fight over a, a, at his palace in over a lava pit. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, and, I, and especially for the comparison for the opening sequences, which because I was watching, when I'm watching Rogue One, I was kind of like, okay, guys, let's... Let's get on with this. It's very nice, and I and for me, once they get the Jetta, I was like, "All right, all right, I'm in this." Versus Force Awakens, where I was like, "Oh, there's so much cool stuff going on." And then once they get onto the Millennium Falcon, I went like, "Oh, interesting." <laughs> Look, here's the thing. So I, w- I was com- for me the 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 first twenty minutes of both of those movies have me completely reversed. And Rogue One is a movie I immediately after watching was like, 
I know what I'm buying in four months when it comes out. So I, I, I appreciated Gareth Edwards' more calm hand to throw in Pig Nose Guy and do a lot of, like, hey, let's throw in Chopper, why He's not? He's a doctor. Yeah, he, he, yes, he is a doctor. Dr. Pig Nose. Dr. Pig Nose. But, but not to have it like, hey, hey, kids, hey, hey, without the member berries, basically. It was enough. Oh, that was a member berry moment. That was a very member berry moment. But Same it, line, too. But it, but it was one of those things where it just. Did you notice that when, when Panda Baba grabs him, he's, he's holding him hey, back hey, with hey, that hey, arm that gets not, cut off? Yeah. And you, you guys mentioned blood earlier, and I'm watching A New Hope when they used to chop people up with lightsabers. They used to actually bleed out. There was, yeah. no, there yeah. was no cauterizing. Yeah, the only yeah, the cauterizing thing was gone. <laughs> Um, so I kind of was like, I, and especially watching that, I was wondering things like, I wonder if when Vader chops these people up, you're just going to see blood spray everywhere. <laughs> and no, that would have been. Oh, he just like explodes one inside. So in terms out. of the Han Solo movie, we're all still we're all excited. Well, that's what I was going to. Your your question so, was so cautiously optimistic because again, they're it, you know, it, and again, it, like they said, it's a different you, type of it, film. Yes. They've already admitted that this is a caper film. This is yeah, going to be Ocean's Eleven, quote unquote, in the Star Wars universe. If to use the old pitch type thing of it's die hard meets meet the parents like what the um, wow that'd be an one interesting of my movie. one of my favorite if we're gonna to tangent on silly movie pitches i remember when i was working at the shop in sherman oaks i went across the street to the starbucks to get uh, i think it was probably like a sale we were just getting like drinks or snacks or whatever and uh the worst pitch ever was so it was a guy talking to like a big wig you know some big hollywood hot shot, but then like some guy who he didn't look he did not look prepared for this and I walk in, and I sort of tuning out, and then the last few minutes, like it's like, if you, here's the elevator for it. It's Ghostbusters meets Jurassic Park. Good lord! Oh god! And I just had to go. What? <laughs> this and sounds I, intriguingly bad. And and then I, I, I the the funnier part was I the like I, the person he was pitching to clearly noticed that I was looking, and we both shot eyes at each other like. No. No. Pass. So your your question was, uh, do you think that... There's a level change. Uh, My question was, does the level change? Like, I I was, I think I was that, cautious with this movie. I felt more comfortable with the Han Solo movie because of what the type of film they were going to try to do would be a lot easier for what we think yes. Disney would and, and do. I'm reversed on that. I actually, seeing Rogue One made me more comfortable with Han I think, Solo. After I seeing this, I think that, that, yes, they can do standalone films. But for me... This isn't a true standalone film yet. As no, a, it has the it, same it problem that I said that, that doing a Han Solo film is the same thing, where they're still not going far enough. The yeah. one negative review I saw on, on one of the artists I follow on Facebook, one of the guys was on there, said he hated Rogue One because he said it's the same goddamn Star Wars movie. I, we don't get anything new. It's the same damn planets. It's the same damn look, stuff. Look, look and then, at his tweets and see if yeah. He and then I just wanted to say, yeah, but that's right. the thing. You got to go. Uh, whoa! They're not going to go that far off. The, it's still Star Wars. You're sure. still going to go from sure. planet to planet. You're still going to have the same vehicles and stuff. I think he's more upset with the fact that Tarkin and Vader it's and a all big that old galaxy. There's like yeah. ten planets. Like I said, and you were talking, with, and a lot the, of them are deserts. This movie, well, we talked about that. That yeah, but it's still using a desert. It's using a desert. And because de- well, deserts are so easy to make look like a, you know, it's a, also a cheap to shoot planet. the deserts. Yes. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're easy there's a to lot make of there's a lot of places in the world that you can go and give them a hundred dollars and you can shoot in the desert for two years. Yes. Yeah. No, here's the thing. This movie it, it, it was a direct sequel in the most sequel sense that the, that the movie yeah prequel because the next ten minutes are the next movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's like episode eight is going to be. 
the the very next the very same scene at the end of episode seven. I don't think so. No, I they've already they've, they've already, already, they've already is, oh is it that was yeah. the first is scene it? that they shot too. Oh okay. And he I, said, I was kind of hoping that they do a good time jump like in the other movies. No no well, no. They no. Made, and they went back and said it was they very difficult, right very after, weird. You know where you get that scene and that establishment, and then, and then, time jump. And yeah. then you see the clock hands move. But again, well, then yeah. Mark Hamill has to earn his. Uh, his uh, paycheck. His paycheck. I do love line. that he tweeted out, "Oh, I don't have any lines in this movie either for Rogue One." <laughs> <laughs> We're going to a mountain. No, but for the Han Solo movie, I still have a little bit of trepidation that that they're going to make it tie in somehow to the rest of the movies. Yeah, sure. If they do, you, if they do it where like they're in a cantina or something, and they see you know some battle going on, or, or the, well, you and I discussed this, and I said. It, for where they want to set it, he's too young to have almost all of the other cameos in it. The Rebellion wouldn't be in existence yet. I, I, Even if it's in existence, it would not be the Rebel Alliance. We'll put it that way. Right. Well, Where, they, where they would be is about halfway between. Is, yeah. It'd be when, the, when Ryloth I, uh, started I, I their... i say the foil should be Dengar. And I don't have a... I'm perfectly fine with that. Because Dengar, his history... His e, he has an EU history him. with him. I, I don't mind them using Dengar or Bosk. Sure. Um, I don't mind them using... Any of the bounty hunters, I wouldn't use Boba Fett simply because at some point you're going to do a Boba Fett movie. And I wouldn't, where it seems like it's going to be set, I don't want him working for Jabba yet. No. But again, it, it's just, you know, we'll see what we get. I, I, I have a feeling we will see him with Jabba. I, I think that's, if it were up to me, the ending would be him going, we have no place else to go. We're going to go work for Jabba. And that might be part of the reason that Lando and Han actually split apart to a certain degree, where Lando's like, I'm not going to go work for that. Yeah, I have have a feeling at some point, and I have a feeling it'll be towards the end, that will be his his last job that we see him taking. Well, Lando gets elected as mayor of Cloud City, doesn't he? Lando sells drugs to the he's children. He's not mayor. He's not mayor. He owns the damn thing. <laughs> that, that's what it'll be. It'll be Han Solo sells drugs, and then you get the It's Always Sunny. My question is, movie. when will the Millennium Falcon come into play? Because Lando owns it first. Sure. I, I think it's Lando's in it. I think they're they're young enough and, and that... Do you think Lando... Old en- I'm sorry. They're old enough that Lando could own the Millennium Falcon. Do you think already. Lando could be the, the smuggler and then he teaches Han? God, I hope not. We'll get to because see. he's really bad at it versus Han. He's really <laughs> because bad. he's not. He's not where he is. He's not a smuggler. He's an entrepreneur. Right. Because we've seen him in Rebels. Right. So and he's a, he's a no. He's a, he, he he's a businessman to be yes. a smuggler. That's he's more concerned with the end result versus actually smuggling. You're gonna get that one scene Han in the movie is. where he's gonna look at Bespin and go. One day I'm gonna run that. Place, yeah, buddy. if that if it's that, I don't want it. But hey, we're talking too much about it. We're just an idea of whether we were excited about it. Or not. I, I well, we have we have. I'm I'm con- a year I'm two contented. years. I'm content. <laughs> oh, so the the memory on Facebook today or yesterday was the tweet from two years ago, or the picture that Star Wars put up two years ago. I was like, you know, uh, it's 2014, and Episode Seven is December whatever, December 17th, 2000, and it's at 15, and I'm going. So it must have been 2013. Wow. I forgot at that point that we already knew when it was uh-huh. coming. And I said, this is my point. We're talking so much about this, and it's two freaking years away. It made me think about the fact that we've known about Rogue One for more than a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Because it was celebration. Was it, was it was even before celebration in 2015 that they announced this movie was coming. Yes. So we've had almost two years waiting for this film. Just like we did with episode seven. Well, with all of them. I mean, yeah, you but get this that one especially where you're just like, oh my God. So in a sort of a wrap up, we've waited two years for the film. It was a film that I really, really wanted to love. 
And Where would you put it in, would, your, in, in your... I know Empire's first. Empire will always be first. And Empire will be first for a lot of different reasons. Like, you and I were talking about this, because you first said better than Empire. You still feel it's a better than Empire? I, you know what? It doesn't have the structure to... No, I, I, it's, almost, it's almost impossible to put them in and a see, ranking together. So this, is, this is my thing. And, and, and I see this. To me, it's a completely different type of film. Yes. Except that it's a Star Wars film. So Empire has things that are going for it this movie could never have. And one of the big things is the characters that you're following in Empire, you've already spent two hours of your life with. Correct. You've already watched them become friends, go through the Death Star, go through the, rom- the romantic sort of triangle, blow up the Death Star. He's, my friend's going to leave me. And then all these rebel pilots die. And he's like, I came back and saved you. Yeah, but could you save Biggs? And right. Come on. Uh, but the emotional connection in it is, is much better. I think the dialogue is better. The characters uh-huh. It also, for me, it would take a miracle for a film to be... Because Empire's not only my favorite Star Wars film, it's probably my favorite film. But Empire also has that great twist at the end. It also has... It's also one of the most personally important films to me. Because that's the first film that I looked at and going, I know that those 60-foot AT-ATs aren't real. How did they do that? Yeah. How did they do all this? So it got me interested in the story element... It got me interested in the pop culture element. It got me interested in movie making. But as a as a Star Wars story, I still think as a Star Wars story because I still care about the saga and I still care about Luke. And I'm always going to care about Luke and Leia and Han and that people more than anybody else sure. me because it's there. There's no way it beats Empire um, in terms of like putting Empire and then a New Hope and Jedi and then the prequels off to here. Rogue One is fits in that space. I love original trilogy timeline. I love Galactic uh-huh. Civil War. That's where I want to I well, live I, in that Galactic I, Civil War I love War the fact that, that they did a great job of blending the the technology that they have for filmmaking now with what the film with the technology they had the, then the physical and the effects, look yeah. the physical the physical effects that look even in a blue, first, in a bluetooth world they're still using headphones and long uh, yeah. long uh, even the, even the first robot we see when Krennic's ship is coming down over top of uh, I forget the planet now, uh, where where the Ursas Ur- are, you see that first is robot. Is it in that planet? Is it Endu? <clears throat> Endu? No, no, Endu is, Endu is the, where the the um the oh, you mean the very is. beginning? Yes. Yeah, I don't think they named. I that don't planet. think they did. I think it's just in the middle of nowhere, right? Because it didn't really matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, that I robot. Feel, I just feel bad for Krennic using that shuttle and not upgrading to a Lambda class. After, <laughs> that shuttle's awesome. After like 15 years. He's got that kick-ass super <laughs> bunker style. I hated that design when I first saw it, when I saw the I Lego still don't like it. But it grew on me. I don't and like the cargo it. ship I actually like a lot more. I like the too. cargo ship. I like the cargo ship. Because like... the cargo ship looks like a plesiosaur. <laughs> I don't like I'm watching towards the end as the things come down. I don't understand the uh, Empire's obsession with, with having wings. wings that fold down. Well, <laughs> Beth thought it looks like a, a sea turtle. The same yeah. idea. The plesiosaur yeah. kind of the same I, thing because it's got the elongated cockpit yeah. in the front. Yeah. It kind of is like, oh, it's a plesiosaur. The only thing, it, from a practical point of view, going up makes sense because... When landing. When, when you're landing, but also when you're storing. Yes. Because the, the reason the wings went up on, on every Navy aircraft had to have a break in the middle of the wings yes. for it to go up so it fit on a carrier. It just looked too so much like, uh, like the Force Awakens shuttle to me. It looked a lot like Kylo's shuttle. So yes. I just like... I wish they went with a different color. It should Because the black and black, yeah. Should have just been white, and it would have looked more like but a get, precursor to it's the just, It's class. just little pieces. Yeah. No, but what I was saying was the the first robot that they show is a CG character, where it, it's out there on the farm, you know, the farmland. And you it, it was CG, it, huh? You thought it was CG? I think so. I thought it was practical. I I, it, I thought it was a practical effect because there's so little it only, movement. All it's all just the antenna. Turn its head. It turns its antenna, and then the it turns its head, and the antenna comes. Out. I, 
Like, well, either way, it, it, it looked good and it looked and it fit right into yeah, yeah. the Civil War era. I was actually almost forgot before we go. You and I read Catalyst. Yes, you didn't. I didn't read Catalyst. You didn't read. It. Do you feel like? Obviously, if you read Catalyst, I think they, they did a very good job of that enriching the film. Yes. Did you feel like you needed it? Because um, there's so much of Tarkin and Krennic and even Vader in Catalyst that you knew the backstory already, so you didn't have to you didn't have to like reinterpret all the lines between the two of them. You know that this is a fight to control the, the, right. the fate of the Death Star is a fight between Krennic you, and Tarkin already. You see that in the film. You you get the kyber crystals are the 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 core of the the super weapon. Um, I think you do need to read it because I think need is too strong. But Jen's boy. necklace, yeah, is a is a direct Hi. link to Catalyst. Um, the the kyber crystal that she has yeah, on no, her I neck know. is is a direct link to the book. Uh, the reason that they're on that planet is a link. Also, the flashback of them on Coruscant. Which is incorrect. What do you he mean? Was, he's not wearing an Imperial uniform in, in the book. Well, we don't know that he's... I mean, he's he's wearing some type of... I think they describe it as he's not wearing a uniform. I didn't think he had, he had the... Uh, had the bars. But anyway, the bars, but, it, again, it's a, it's, a small, it's right. a small little piece. But you get why that's happening and what's going on. You, it, It's like... Honestly, it's like Rogue One with A New Hope. You don't need it to know what's going on, but it enriches it. Oh, yeah, no, it definitely enriches it. There's no argument to be made that it takes away from it. But I think there's little pieces that that are, if you've read the book before seeing the movie. I think you enjoy Krennic more if you read it. Yes. Oh, totally. I I can't get over how And you also get why. I love Ben Mendelsohn. And you also get why he runs to Vader. Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's trying to play everybody off of each other. Yes. He's trying desperately to keep control of and why he always his keeps... line of so I'm still in command. Yeah, well, if that... you read the novel, it's like okay, I still get that because he's th- he, every time he thinks he doesn't have this anymore, he kind of brings himself back right. In. And that and why he's Don't always choke saying choke on your aspiration. <laughs> but also, like, <gasps> I like that when oh, he's oh yeah, I, I, there was a few people who gave groans, and I was just like. No, it was funny. Well, it, Darth Vader, well, it, it was even uh, in like the Darth Vader Marvel comic, like issue number one. So he's like, "You killed my father," and he's like. Which father? I've killed yeah, many. I've killed many. Um, but the other thing with Krennic, though, when his always of you're going to tell the emperor, right? You're going to make yeah. sure that you tell He's him. Tried and so hard more. to become a yeah. part of the court. That 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 all comes directly from the book, and yeah. you get it better. If well, it you, comes from the character. You can feel it, but it's it's much easier to. You don't have to make the connection yourself, right? You don't have to investigate that line. Going, wait, what is exactly is is going on? Yeah, what's his idea? What's he it? wanting to do? Yeah, so it was very interesting. Anyway, uh, and you also get why Tarkin takes command over the yeah, because Krennic is a bumbler. Well, you also just, but but also the fact if you read Tarkin, keeps you understand why Tarkin says I'm taking control because Tarkin loses control over the Death Star at one point. Yeah. Um, if you read the book, because Krennic's thing is he's got so many pieces that are up in the air to build the Death Star, and that none of those, none of the 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 pieces know what the other pieces are doing in order to build. Right. It, so that and no the other one, thing is when he no says, one other than the the inner council and they knew that they're building a super weapon. They all thought they were building, they were building a big space station. Space station, and Galen thought he was building a an energy device. Right. You well, know? the other thing is when he says that the work is stalled. Yeah. Yeah, when Krennic tells... Well, at least tells the, Catalyst, uh, Catalyst ends... It's got to be at least a couple months before that, because she's very young yes. in the, at the end of Catalyst still. She's still like four. No, I think... Uh, Maybe a little bit older, but... Because she's the same... Well, where they show them on Coruscant, 
because obviously she was younger because yeah, you could see true. her hair was young. Her hair was shorter. Um, I think what they showed on uh, as them on Coruscant was when they leave. It, you know, yeah, it, that's right, in the right book. Before, yeah. yeah, so it's maybe like a year or two. Anyway, uh, so that, that is our Rogue One review show. We all loved it. Even Sebastian loved it, which is amazing. Which is amazing. I enjoyed it, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's uh, enough to go. Enough to buy. I will actually be buying it. But it's also weird because I own the Blu-ray box set for all six, but I've never actually removed the prequel <laughs> movies from the little slips. So yeah, I just, Mel, I you just have joined us. What, what do you think of the movie? Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, enjoyable. I did. What was your favorite part? Um, my favorite part is actually um when. When they actually, with the the Darth Vader part. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah. When he goes through the killing yeah, people. Yeah, that really surprised you're, me. You're a dark child. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. it was dark. Terms of, it was my dark. favorite it's part the, is when they all it's die. When, they, it's when Vader murders all those people. In terms of the new characters that you saw, do you have a favorite? Um, is there a character that really stood out to you that you really liked? Yeah. Which one? Um, um, you can just describe the character if you can't remember their name. Little Little Jen, because um, she actually surprised me. I didn't think there would be a Little Jen and the father. Did you like older Jen? She was okay. Not No love for the lovable did robots, you, Did you like mayhaps? Uh, K2? Oh, yes. K2 was very funny. So you like it too. All right, cool. All right, you so and five, Ethan. Six of us all like the film. Yeah. Because I forgot Travis. The blank screen that was Travis. Well, he had to go. The baby was starting to cry. Baby, yes. Uh, So yeah. So we are. You you know all this. Where are we? So make sure people. How can people find us? Make sure you check us out on Facebook.com/slash Nerdables. We're also on Twitter at Nerdable Show, and check us out on Instagram as Nerdables. So at some point soon, this will also double as the first Star Wars show. Rich and I still can't come up with a fucking name. Uh, and the holiday season is very busy, so in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll start that. Maybe at the beginning of the year. Yeah, probably the beginning of the year. We'll probably post this as once we come up with a name. We'll put that on there. Uh, for Travis, Arabella, Rich, Ethan, Sebastian, this is Chris saying, may the force be with you. <laughs>